Look up in the mirror, oh my God, it's me. So much pride on me, I'm a prodigy. I'ma do my thing, no apologies. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Work Bay with Nan and Obi. Hey, friend. What's good? What's good? See, I respected the sanctity of your introduction this week, and I didn't mm. say I didn't say hello. So you're good. I fe- I felt like you were itching though. Like nope. it looked like you wanted to join, and I need you to. And I'm fine with that. If you want to ever introduce the pod, that the, the floor is yours. But you just have to do it. I know. I, you you gotta give me some coaching first. I gotta I gotta That's, get it down. No. Did you coach me? Because because you know, just, hearing just it for four people? seasons, I still you know I still don't got it. So. But no, what's good? What's uh, good? How you, how you how you living this week? I I'm now after what you said last week. I'm trying to be very <laughs> intentional with my time. The people know how you come in now. <laughs> you can't you can't have that same energy. You know, all in all, it's been a good week so far. Um, I'm I'm starting to feel like I'm getting ahead of things as opposed to like picking up the pieces as they fall. Um, so that's good. I just had a little emergency right before uh, this recording, oh. but other than that, okay. you know, well, hopefully you're the good. devil is a lie. Is, okay. is all I have to say. You still mm-hmm. have all your limbs. You're still looking wonderful. By the grace of God. So that's yes, good. Yes. Whatever happened, yes. uh, you know, we still got you. That's <laughs> exactly. the most important thing. How about you? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I think you, whatever busy little troll came to you last week is here with me now because I feel like... Is it? Blessings are showering upon you. You need to be grateful. That shit will go away real quick. Is that how it works? I feel like it. (laughs) But no, I'm doing well. Just things are just starting to pick up um, a little faster pace than, than things were going during the during the summer but like you said I'm, I'm trying to be grateful and and think of it all as as good opportunities all right um well i'm incredibly incredibly excited for the conversation that we're going to be having today um for all of you that know don't know you ever see me in public nana is a i'm i i don't really love talking about myself in the third person but i felt it felt it felt uh, adequate um i'm a beautiful fat black girl and i love beautiful fat black women well beautiful fat women of all shades um and i honestly have been trying to have a conversation around fatness body positivity what the movement is is it a movement is it a marketing scheme like i've been that's been something that's been occupying my mind for a while and i've been wanting to have that conversation on the pod probably since season one. And I'm so excited to kind of think through some of these things today with the probably the three most beautiful women I know personally. Um, And so we have some friends, some guests to the pod today. Um, Lauren Brake, uh, Jasmine Carthen, and then Veronica, please say your, I don't want to mispronounce your your last name. Poma'e. Poma'e? Okay. Um, So these are three beautiful women that I know personally, um, three beautiful plus size women. And I figured that they would be probably the best guests to have when it comes to this conversation. Obi is invited, but if you don't hear from him, that's also very (laughs) fun. I'm going to jump in here and there, here and there. I'm going to fly on the wall. What was that? Yeah, we're here for the big men. Plus size male bodies matter too. <laughs> they do. Yes. They do. Yes. They no, absolutely they absolutely do. do. And and the the first time we were trying to record this, I think it was actually season two, 
we had a, a male plus size model who we wanted to bring on. Um, but no, I appreciate you throwing that out there, V, because obviously, you know, a lot of this conversation we've been having um, for the most part has been centered on women. And that's OK. So there's nothing wrong with that. But niggas be coming in different sizes, too. It's not and just the ladies. All. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But I feel You're like this week, for the most part, uh, or I should say for this episode, I think we're going to really be uh, viewing it through the lens of, of you beautiful young ladies. Um, but I have some I have some stuff to share as well too, so I'll sprinkle in there as as necessary. Uh, so yeah, if we just want to kind of go around, and we'll, maybe we'll start with Lauren. If you just want to introduce yourself, um, just let us know where you're from, what you do, if you're comfortable with that, um, and then we'll move on to Jasmine and then Veronica. Sure. So I'm Lauren. I usually go by L Break Break Style on Instagram. Um, I my day job is I do like I'm a customer success manager, <laughs> which is like not doesn't necessarily like sound too cool. Um, and then in my free time, I troll people on the internet. No, <laughs> no, you do do that and do it so well. So very well. Uh, but no, I don't troll people on the internet. But I, um, I, you know, I have a Instagram page where I post like my outfits, my style, and things like that. Not a model, just posting style, inspiration, things like that. So yeah. And Jasmine. Oh, I'm next. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Jasmine Carthon. I am a plus size model. Um, I'm from the, or should I go through my whole spiel or like, you can do, yeah, give it to us, give it to yes, us. Yes. Tell us about you. Tell us about you. So, uh, I'm from Los Angeles, California. I moved to New York to pursue my model career. Been here for about four years and, um, you know, really making my, my way in the plus size community and the fashion community, um, and trying to put out as much like positivity towards, you know, body positivity, but as far as, but as, as well as like our blackness as well in our, our like us actually getting the credit that we deserve as the ones who brought the whole plus size, the whole body positivity movement together. You know, it was definitely for fat black people, fat black women yeah. first. Let's talk so, about that. Mm -hmm. so, you know, just getting my foot in, into this community and, you know, trying to represent as much as I can. So. Awesome. And um, and we also have a platform ourselves called Models for Change Now, where we talk about um, just the black models in general getting the shorthand of the stick in the fashion industry. And a big part of that, it's not just for straight size models. I mean, it's, uh, most of us are plus size models that run it. Um, it's about you know us getting the no notoriety and the fair treatment that we deserve because we get the worst of everything. So from expressions oh, wow. about about our just being black as it is and then add plus size to that is a whole nother issue so oh, i can't wait um, to get into that yes, yes. thank so, you yeah um that's me and this is my best friend veronica you can you can do your thing <laughs> do your thing v um hi everyone my name is velonica Pome. i am a south pacific islander from the kingdom of tonga and I'm a model, I'm a community organizer, I'm a healer, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a sister. Um, and yeah, I support all things black and brown. And um, in addition to what she said about Models for Change, it's, also, it's just about black representation 
in front of the camera and behind the camera because a lot of the decision making that happens involves having black voices mm-hmm. um diverse diverse voices diverse experiences and uh, you know me being tongan is very far and few in um, these spaces so as an ally you know i i show up wherever and however i can and we appreciate you for that well thank you so much y'all so excited for this conversation um and so i guess we could kind of just jump into it um we like to kind of define things here over at WorkBay. And so um, off rip, I will share with you what Google says is body positivity. And then we can kind of talk about our feelings about the term and how we experience it. Um, And so, like I said, our good friend Google says, uh, body positivity refers to the assertion that all people deserve to have a positive body image, regardless of how society and popular culture view ideas view, ideal shape, size, and appearances. And they also share some goals of the body positivity movement. Um, They say that it is to challenge how society views the body, promoting the acceptance of all bodies, helping people build confidence and acceptance of their own bodies, and addressing unrealistic body standards. So now that we all have a baseline on the definition of what body positivity is what it means. Um, I kind of just want to get to hear your relationship with the term, your relationship with the movement. Um, is this something that you prescribe to? You don't, and we can kind of just take it from there. And any, I mean, who I don't, I'm not going to call on anybody. <laughs> Y'all why, can feel why, don't, free. why don't you start us off, Nana? Oh, okay, I can do yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. What, what, sure. what, do you, what do you think uh, with the with that definition? So you know, through the research. Um, through like researching this topic a little bit, I was unaware that this movement had been around since like the 60s and the 70s. Um, A lot of the conversation that I've heard about body positivity has kind of been through like the internet age. Um, And since I'm not somebody who was super prevalent online, it's this concept in itself was like very new to me. I think the first time I heard about body positivity in, in, in a mainstream sense was like the Dove um, ad campaign that like yeah, same there. was all over the place. Um, and so that was probably my first introduction to that. And then I think when I finally got on IG, F Your Body Standards was like a really popular page. Um, and I think that was started by Tess Holiday and, and some folks in um, collaboration with her. Um, and then she kind of was all over the place um, you know, with, and like, it was like her and Ashley Graham. And so that was kind of like my first introduction to what body positivity is and what it means. And I think I, the definition is aligned with what I assumed the movement was about. Um, But it felt, I think, because I was introduced to it in kind of an influencer marketing kind of way. It felt a little hoity-toity and a little honky to me. <laughs> hoity-toity. Yeah, like it felt- I don't know if it, I've like heard that it, just, it felt kind of insincere. If <laughs> okay. it, it didn't feel gimmicky. authentic. It uh-huh. felt like a- Yeah, super, super gimmicky. Like a, a sales campaign or a campaign. Very know, much so that. Very, so. very much so that. And okay. as somebody who's been fat most of her life, it was like, y'all know about, Dove is not going to tell me about what it is to be a fat person. Okay. I mean, God bless Tess Holiday, but like you also are not going to tell me, like you can't tell me what it is to be a fat black woman. 
You know what I'm saying? Like how many of us are getting People Magazine covers? How many of, you know what I'm saying? Even I love Ashley Graham, but like the Sports Illustrated stuff, Vogue stuff, it's like, mm, it's a very particular type of woman that gets the recognition. And so if, if this is what this movement, quote unquote, that you guys are promoting, I didn't feel included in it at all. And so I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, Not to cut you off, but the issue that a lot of Black plus size models, especially those of them who have been in the industry for, you know, decades, this is, there has been, you know, people modeling sizes 14 and up for a long time. They just don't get that notoriety. The only thing that you hear about them doing is maybe a Lane Bryan campaign that doesn't get you know, that doesn't get the shine as much, or they'll push forward the white body that right. looks like traditional black bodies. We we are like the blueprint of the whole body positivity movement. We don't, yeah. we don't get the the shine at all. Like it, it's models like Lyris Cross, like um, Chastity Sanders, um, Takara. Takara was the first plus size, yeah. plus size model that I had ever, heard of i didn't mm-hmm. and this is Same. i'm younger yeah. and i'm learning about the fashion industry in general and that's what made me want to want to be a model there's a lot was, of veterans a lot of black models that have been around since like and i i'm saying like i feel like the plus size industry really became mainstream in like 2009 2010 yes. yeah I agree. I feel like that's when we started getting a lot more options. There seemed to be like a strut. Yeah, exactly. And then they started popping up around that time. But it's like they popped up over that, their heads, though. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Before yeah. that, there was you have full figured fashion. Like, you had a lot of these plus size events that were led by black women because mm-hmm. we weren't accepted to the other events. Yeah. And that's actually like the events that we, that's we, where met we started and we, where we started like coming and really like trying to basically forge our way into the table, mm-hmm. onto the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your question about, uh, you know, subscribing to the, the body positivity movement, I think that like initially it did, it was like off to, a really good start it was like a step in the right direction but then it became infiltrated mm-hmm. you know by these white influencers mm. um influencers bloggers bloggers models, models. And, then, and then the companies yeah the brands and then yeah. the commercial when it's when yes it's about having access to clothing and us all feeling good about ourselves but they put money behind it and you know made it super super watered down super superficial and it's it's always been and i know we're going to get into about the about the different sizes and things Mm -hmm. like that but it's it's always been only certain bodies in the forefront only certain body shapes in the forefront and again these body shapes are those that are that come from black women but they only appreciate them when they're on a white girl Mm -hmm. so um so it's as if the whole body positivity movement was hijacked and left all of the like the black supermodels which is exactly what they are because they shop for all of the biggest brands and but they don't get the things that precious lee is doing now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's only one it's only her but i also i just want to add this because i know we're it's going to come up in like the conversation and it's like a lot of a lot of these things that we're talking about it's like we're trying to fit into their model Mm -hmm. or their their social norm their definition and that's why the breakdown of the black body the Mm -hmm. breakdown of suppression is so important because once you understand that 
you kind of are able to move differently because you know there's so many of the things that so so much of the system is like set to actually is against us mm-hmm. right um and also so, the guys it's, are- so it's like we can also not try to fit in with these people not try to be in like their social circles you see how like where like capitalism comes into place where now it's all about money and it's like actually no you can't just think like oh we want bigger clothes and the clothes is going to make our insecurities go away no Mm -hmm, there's a deeper mm -hmm. rooted issue a lot of internal work that we have to do and i feel like just talking about like size inclusivity and diversity is just the surface of this conversation because we're not actually healing like we're not just throwing cute clothes on top of it when instead like it's we're rewriting decades of telling us that we weren't good enough you know that we're too big that we're as as a black body as it is we've been going through this for hundreds of years but as plus size bodies going from again a lot of this is it's a colonialism it's a colonialism it's a western perspective it's a lot of unlearning a lot that we have to do so of not even being close to being the standard of beauty yeah yeah so Lauren, I, I want you to oh, sorry. <laughs> no no y'all good y'all 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 preaching today y'all about to start a little course i like it i like it um <laughs> but no the the i just had a quick question for for those of us who might not be as familiar with kind of like the fashion world um do you guys feel and this is you know first and foremost for you jazz and v but um also for you nana and lauren as well do you guys feel like it's been the fashion world that's kind of pushed this into the limelight or was this kind of a movement that was already well at least from what you shared on i guess this goes all the way back to the 60s and the 70s so mm-hmm. which one is pushing which one forward is it kind of like which direction who's who's at the steering wheel with with, with this body positivity <laughs> movement yeah, Lauren, I mean, I, I would love to hear what you have to say about that, for sure. I think they just finally saw the money. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's not lying, though. No, she. you were literally saying what I was about to say. I think that, um, to your point, Anna, it is something that started in the 60s and the 70s. Um, there was fat liberation before there was body positivity. And so uh, the body positivity movement, I feel like has turned into more commercialized version of what fat liberation and fat acceptance was. Um, and so like, uh, like Jazza saying, it has turned into them seeing money, like industry seeing money. Um, in kind of capitalizing on, you know, fat people feeling good about themselves. And that has also then kind of gotten worn, I shouldn't even say kind of, it has gotten worked down to the point where now body positivity isn't just about like, um, uh, you know, deconstructing these biases about larger bodies. It has turned into, you know, what the definition that you read on Google was where it's like, oh, well, all bodies, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So this movement, mm-hmm. body positivity is kind of like the offspring of what the fat acceptance movement that you're talking about from the sixties actually was. Right. And so there is um, a lot of emphasis on clothing um, now, because that is something that is like one of the biggest challenges. Um, well, I should say like one of the biggest like surface level challenges for larger body people is having access to clothing in their size. And so it's kind of like, well, now that all of these clothes are available, this has solved the problem. It's like, (laughs) no, actually it hasn't. It's deeper than that. Right. Um, so I feel like body positivity is something that is valid, but it really has gotten watered down. I feel like, um, 
I feel like we have kind of lost sight of what it was supposed to be and that there are deeper rooted issues that should be addressed around um, bodies and specifically around larger bodies. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine, I feel like you, you had something to share. Um, yeah, just even in the definition, like you were explaining about how it went from being liberation for fat black bodies and now it's like all bodies and it's very all lives matter. I'm just like, <laughs> because, because initially this was for the underrepresented. This was yeah, for marginalized communities for sure. And not just not just fat black bodies, I apologize, but fat black queer bodies, fat black even disabled bodies. Like if, if we're talking about um fat liberation, like in, at its core, these were the com- the community, these were the communities that we wanted to um amplify, you know, put in the mainstream, share and show that there there's beauty there. Um but yeah, yes, do, it's, you, it's, do you guys mind kind of like expanding on on that a little bit cuz that's a new term for me. I think was, as I was going through the outline uh, you put together Nana, it was my first time hearing about the fat liberation movement. So what 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 is that exactly? You know, for those like me maybe who haven't heard that term before, um can, do any of you guys mind sharing exactly what what that is or how it started? Um, just to kind of so, give them a little background on it, you know? Sure, sure, sure. I think, I mean, I think Lauren kind of encapsulized it very well. So it was, it was started in, I believe the late sixties, early seventies by, um, fat black women specifically. And it was just an, it was just, um, a, a movement to amplify these bodies into the mainstream and like sharing their beauty with the world and not only making it a global global acceptance but really internally like make a lot like outside of western beauty standards and you know what society tells you is beautiful it, you should feel that way within yourself so it was really about an internal um, journey for these people to recognize that there was beauty in them and then you know, through years, it's been co-opted and misrepresented and all that kind of stuff. But so that that at its at its core was what the fat liberation um, movement, body positivity in its you know infancy was. Right. All right, no, um, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. It, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. So basic, basically, um, even what I was saying about it being very watered down and very like all lives matter ish, not completely, you know, but um, it went from body positivity being like an actual movement, an actual like, you know, catalyst for change or whatever it is that you want to call it to body positivity being a buzzword. Like Mm -hmm. for example, with us doing Sports Illustrated, you know, we came in as two plus size models and who have very valid stories about you know about our size about our backgrounds about us being in the adversity that we face and us being from marginalized communities in general so but then we get these you know these smaller bodies not a small fat but smaller you know (laughs) like a like you know size small size mediums who are pinching their skin saying Mm. like oh i feel bad about myself too there are feeling let me tell you how much i fucking hate that (laughs) oh my please i'm not i'm not discrediting their experience you know everybody 
own journey. So I'm not going to say that they don't go through things because they turn on their TV and the TV is telling them something else too. So I get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But to profit off of it, that's mm-hmm. the issue. Mm-hmm. Because this was not your movement. You know, yeah. the, the ones who like, it, it, like Lauren, you, I know you're irritated. It irritates me because I'm, I'm sitting next to the girl and I go up and I do my spiel and I talk about my experience as a plus size black woman or a curvier black woman. And then this girl, you know, next to me comes up and says, well, you know, I have the same issues too, but no, you don't. No, you like, don't. <laughs> like, you don't have the same, like, you don't go here. You don't even go here. No, <laughs> not you don't go here. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that's my issue. Like, that's what, that's what I mean when I say, I feel like the movement has been hijacked, Mm -hmm. um, and commercialized water down. So sorry, whatever you were saying. (laughs) I was just going to add on to what Nana was saying just about fat liberation. So it was more than just about body image, but also treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, that movement was more about access was more about respect, um, was about, um, discrimination and trying to bring light to all of these things, these adversities that fat people are experiencing outside of just strictly body image mm-hmm. and how they feel about themselves, but how the world around them is actually treating them. Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about obviously clothes and the fashion industry, but like when you get down to the nitty gritty, like the real issue that is at its core is that fat people are treated differently in the workplace, that they're treated differently um, on dating sites. <laughs> they are treated differently for housing, access mm-hmm. to housing. Sometimes you can, um, people will uh, experience discrimination there too. Mm-hmm. And it's a type of discrimination that is not protected. So there is no like, oh, I can sue, you know, this housing company because they saw that it was a, I'm a fat person. I have a fat husband and fat kids and they didn't want to give an apartment to me. There is no suing for that. There is no suing for me going for a job and knowing that I have the same exact credentials for as somebody else for this position, but they won't hire me because I look a certain way, you know? Um, And so there are certain rights and access that are not protected. And so fat liberation, fat acceptance is um, rooted in trying to acknowledge that and fight against that um, to make sure that people have the same rights and access regardless of their size. So it is part of it is like how you feel about yourself, but it's how the world around us is treating us based on the size of our body. And also um, for some that are also have like mobility issues or any kind of like disabilities, um, being somebody that is fat and has a disability is a whole other, you know, um, spectrum of this that um, also doesn't get, you know, the acknowledgement that it needs. So when we start getting rid of that and then like kind of watering it down to just being about access to clothing. I think that's why there's like such a, I have such a big issue with body positivity now. And then to Jazzy's point is that it then gets worried out even more because you have a lot of anti-fatness and the, you know, the size six girl that's like rolling over and pinching her stomach <laughs> and being like, see, oh my God, my stomach. I have a fupa too. Like I have, that whole so like, com- I have a whole other issue with the usage <laughs> of the term fupa. <laughs> That oh, okay. is a whole we, other we, conversation. We right. 
I'll get into that in a second. But <laughs> that point, um, you know, yes, there is a body image issue there, but it's rooted in anti-fatness, which then right. goes back to the reason that there is a need for a fat acceptance or in a fat liberation movement, because right. the fact that somebody is a size six that is forcing themselves to appear fat, maybe that is something that they are experiencing, but it's rooted in the fact that they've been told all their lives that they are fat because if they bend over they have a role or if you have like a little extra arm fat or something like that. So there are all these like little things, all of these components to it. Yeah. Um, That absolutely get watered down. Now when we talk about, you know, Ashley Graham being able to walk on a runway, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. But even in, even in them feeling the need to, you know, pinch their fat and say that's, that's the industry telling them this too, telling them that in order to, for example, I keep bringing up Sports Illustrated because that's one of our more recent experiences where in order to get on this platform, you have to have some kind of sob story about your body. Mm. Like not always, not always, but that's what I'm, that's the vibe that I'm getting from them because you get these smaller girls these and it's not it's not even a size six is doing it it's the size zeros and twos that are that are doing it and saying you know that you know they have stretch marks on their booty or things like this and yeah I'm still beautiful type of thing um it's it's the industry telling them that this is the way that it's going even when we get booked now um like my agent would say like okay what's your story you know mm. these clients from H&M from Target like they want people who have some kind of activism behind him, them who have some kind of like not it doesn't have to be a sob story or anything like that but something that you're putting into the world and if you don't have a struggle for example I'm not saying all white people don't have a struggle <laughs> but their struggle compared to the magnitude of ours a different. is Nothing in comparison. Well, well, we don't even Mm -hmm. have to go there. I'm going to bring up two things in the conversation. The first thing is that sometimes when we're talking about like fat acceptance, that's only from an American perspective Mm -hmm. because it's only in the States Mm -hmm. that we struggle. Mm -hmm. We talk about that because you go into other countries and actually the bigger you are as a woman, the more attractive you Mm -hmm. are. I've heard that my entire life. Yeah, oh, you so should you should be so happy. You're African. I bet you they love you there. I don't. That's not... I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that there isn't an appreciation for bigger bodies on the continent, but it is, it's still very different. And there is anti but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, no. it, it's a very much Western American perspective. And to think that our, like our experience is like the whole like, world, that's true. That yes. large, Absolutely. like that, those are things for us to consider, um, but and then at the same time it's like what you were saying Lauren like being able to differentiate for you know where there are people who are coming into the movement they're hijacking it they're infiltrating they're doing whatever they can to get their 15 minutes where Mm -hmm. you're valid in your authenticity especially as a black or brown person you don't gotta fake the funk you just you show up as as you are they have to try harder Mm -hmm. they gotta come up with all these gimmicks they gotta do but it's like when you really live the shit you talk about like there's nothing that you know to kind of mask or decorate your words with like you are just like who you are um and i think it's also about us recognizing that and acknowledging it with our within our own community and like gassing that up like celebrating Mm -hmm. that putting bringing that to the to the forefront of the conversations because she knows I'm always like kind of devil's advocate when we're having the conversation um, because I'm like, 
I, I think that a part, it's really essential a part of the healing process to talk about what we, what the experiences are. But I also think that like what is more counterproductive is to really celebrate like all the great, beautiful things that are happening mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. In the community. Mm-hmm. And then also to emphasize on the, the inner work. Cause like, until we can understand like who we are, where we come from, our ancestors, the, just the lineage, then we'll be able to really understand what the plot is. Like there's like a master agenda here to really like kill off the original black family. Mm -hmm. And we also have to understand how the original black family intersects in the indigenous community of the world. Those Mm -hmm. are the black people of the world who disperse into different parts. And so it's like, I, I think that when we're talking about the conversation here about body positivity, about racism, about um, systematic racism there's a lot of a lot of things that intersect with just knowing who you are and where you come from because when, you, when you're equipped with that that knowledge and you're strapped with that it's like anything who tries to challenge you otherwise it's like nah like I know who I am before you try to tell me who I was it's like what yeah. we say about having having a, a foundation if you if you even if you go into the bible you train up a child when he grows he won't when he's an adult, he won't depart from it or something like that. So it's basically, if you have a solid enough foundation, if you know who you are, if you were celebrated at home, the outside world can't really infiltrate that. Yeah. When I think when I think about myself, I grew up around a bunch of plus size bodies who know they're the shit. Mm-hmm. They didn't have like, it wasn't a lot of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the issues that I read about, and I'm not saying that they don't exist, but in my family, I didn't experience that. So I grew up in with a bunch of women who, regardless of what size they were, they still, you know, held their head high, walked with it with a whole switch in everything. You couldn't tell my mama that she ain't on somebody's runway. Like that's just, but that's just how, that's just the foundation. You know, um, you were saying something earlier about, um, about, gosh, I lose my train of thought, but <laughs> you were saying something earlier about that. Yeah, I I also kind of want to explore our younger selves a little bit because I think as women and, you know, I, like I said, I've had the fortune of of knowing you women in the way that seeing how you present yourselves in the world is something that I really admire. But I do wonder, um, especially Jasmine, with your sharing, uh, your experience growing up um, and having really positive Uh, examples of women embracing themselves, embracing their size. Um, That is not a story that I can tell. And I would love to kind of hear from Lauren too. um, If you, if you were a larger size when you were younger, what that experience was like and kind of like, how has that helped mark who you are today and how you show up in the world? Yeah, so for me growing up, it was quite interesting. My mother is somebody, I've always been fat, I would say, like since I was like maybe five until today at 36, I've <laughs> been fat. My mother was somebody that was always slim and slim slash thick. So she was like, you know, like the size 10, 12 with the big titties and the little face <laughs> and the big old ass and the big thighs. And she was like, so perfect. So, she was perfect. Right. So in, you know, in what we are, our black cultural, American cultural norms, she is like the thick, you know, high yellow, you know, whatever. 
And so, you know, her body shape and her size was, you know, very much idolized, et cetera. But then after she had kids, she became larger. Mm. And so her view of her body was very negative. But for the most part, for me growing up, it wasn't necessarily a negative conversation about my body. Mm. Um, In my younger years, it was kind of like, you know, she would maybe here and there say things about like, all right you know, stop eating so much. Um, but it wasn't as much as I know that other, you know, children experience mm-hmm. where their parents try to put them on super crazy diets or, you know, chastise them for eating and things like that. But witnessing how she viewed her body um, mm-hmm. was highly negative, And she was always on some fat diet, Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and her, my aunt, uh, her and my aunt did this weird thing where they put like these little sensor things behind their ears, and I was supposed to like control their eating, like all types of what? fucking weird shit. <laughs> what is that? All types of fucking weird shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was bizarre. But so I grew up watching this person, you know, go through all the fat diets and have the negative view of their own body. And so it was very interesting in how like it wasn't necessarily somebody speaking highly negative of me, but me watching this, um, it does kind of impact the way that you think about fatness in general, not necessarily just fatness within myself, but um, outwardly and other fat people. And then um, as I got older, um, later in life, you know, I started, you know, seeing joining like plus size communities online and then you know obviously and then you know on instagram and all these other things and blogs but um just growing up there was a very interesting view of um of being larger and what that meant but also to to her credit she was very very um she was very pro-black, mm-hmm. <laughs> extremely pro-black, extremely pro-black. And so the things that we admire about black bodies was something that was always instilled in me to always embrace my skin color, to always embrace, you know, my black features. Um, as I started growing up and developing, I was fat, but I also had like a really big ass and big thighs. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> she was like, yes, you work that and you get those jeans and you show that off, you know? And this is this so, is your mom you're, you're talking about? My mom. This is my mom. So so know? I'm wondering, just real quick, as as you've been telling your story, Lauren, was, was that at all at any point confusing for you where maybe your, your mom was bigging you up, really, uh, you know, kind of raising you to be proud of the skin you're in, but at the same time, you're seeing her maybe doing a lot of this fad mm-hmm. dieting or maybe other women in your family I'm curious if you can kind of look back or think back, how were you, how were you internalizing that or reconciling that as, as a, as a child? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's an interesting like conflict because I didn't always, because I'm watching her think negatively of her body. A lot of times I would think negatively about mine, but it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be because she would say negative things Mm -hmm. to me. It's me witnessing so it was just, it was like indirect basically. Right. And then there was kind of like the flip-flop where it was like, as I got older and so my body started developing and things like that, like I would start, I started developing a different level of confidence in myself. Um, but it is, it's very challenging. And I think that just goes back to thinking about this whole movement and how we think about fatness as a whole and 
also anti-fatness as well. There's a lot, and I'm sure that Jasmine and you have like, you probably have seen this too, but there is like a lot of anti-fatness among other fat people. Yes. And so that's also a conversation that um, uh, that's also a conversation to be had, but that's also to that, to my point of how I'm seeing my mother um, view her own body. And then also sometimes speak of not me or my sister, but other fat people. Right. Mm. Um, It also kind of shapes how you think of fatness overall. And so it's just, it's a lot of conflicting feelings and experiences. Um, But I will say like, obviously, like as I got older and I learned about life and my body outside of the scope of my immediate family, I got to see more of what that was and kind of shape how I viewed myself. Um, but there, yeah, there's a lot of conflicting things that, that happened, that you know, as a, on. as a fat kid. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the negativity, uh, about my body outwardly was at school and things like that, mm. or other family members mm-hmm. being like, Oh, mm-hmm. you, Susan, my mom's name is Susan. Susan, you sure you want to feed her that? You know, she, she got Black big. aunties and uncles and grandparents. All of them. One of my aunties tried to convince my mom that I had a tapeworm because I ate so much. And she was like, that, that child, she just, she fat, she be eating. Like, oh, she doesn't have a tapeworm, you know? But it was like a real. Oh my goodness. Right, yes, it was. And, yeah. and I think the last question I have for you, Lauren, and it's the same one I want to pose um, to, to the rest of y'all, you know, because I feel like there's there's a, there's those kind of milestones or those kind of moments you remember from your childhood, whether it's and unfortunately, usually they're they're usually seeped in trauma. But I'm curious for y'all, when did you realize that you were fat? Like what was it? A, was it a no? I say that to say like no, I know. No, no, no. It's no, a I, valid I, I, I didn't say no, that. No, all it's to valid. Be, it's, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that valid. to say like I know. I grew up in Jersey City, which was a predominantly black neighborhood, and all the other kids look like me. They're all black kids or brown, but mostly black. But then when my family moved to the burbs, you know, hella white kids. Never really seen mm-hmm. white kids before. So I remember having that moment of being like, oh, I'm I'm black, and I'm not yeah. them, and. And the world treats us differently or there's different things that come with that. Um, So I'm just curious if that moment happened at all. Maybe it didn't. But I'm just curious for y'all if there was kind of like a a pivotal moment or just a moment as a a child when you're like, okay, I see what's going on. Like, I'm different. And it it has to do with with my body or my size or my weight. I'm just curious, Lauren, if if, if you happen to have that moment or any of y'all as you're you're kind of sharing your, your story. Yeah, I know I know about my fatness when I was in school. It wasn't something that I learned necessarily at home. It was more of me being at school and you know, we live in a society that looks down upon fat people and so you're around kids that are learning from their parents and so mm-hmm. the other kids are saying things about your weight and about your body and then also I'm like tall, I'm fat, mm-hmm. I'm black, mm-hmm. I got this birthmark, I got a gap in my teeth. So it was like, I'm learning about all of these things and being made fun of for everything, you know? And so me learning about, or me recognizing that I was actually fat is something I didn't really know until I was in school. And I would say probably like around like first grade. Is oh, when so I it was like, early. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, like oh, middle school yeah. or the, that Obi, shit. I said early. I've been fat since okay. I was five. No, and not, <laughs> not that I was disputing that. I mean, just in, in terms of, but that's the thing, you gotta remember kids kids can be the worst sometimes and it's not they're even them. They're I really, love them, but they're, they're really just parroting, like you said, what they're, the signaling and the messaging that yeah. they're getting from their 
from their family or from TV, yeah. the media, all of that. Um, but no, thank thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, how about how about y'all, Jasmine and 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 V, and then also Nana. I definitely want you to to jump in too. Um, well, we were talking about my experience growing up, and and I'm not saying that I didn't go through every get skinny quick scheme that I could mm-hmm. possibly find when I was trying to you know be a model and going through things with um with my friends where they told me, well, Jazz, lose weight because you don't want to be a fat model, right? As if, because our, what we knew of, yeah, my friends, what we knew mm-hmm. of my, um, of modeling came from America's Next Top Model. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like you can, you can be Takara, but wouldn't you want rather be Eva? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it was that kind of, that kind of thing. And I did see my family, you know, do the Weight Watchers, do the, the special K diets and every, all of the diets, all of the things. Um, so, but even in that, like there was a certain confidence that they had. Like, yeah, I know I'm, I know I'm a big girl, but like I still can do whatever I want, pull whoever I want. There's a certain like air that my family members had about them. I love like, that. So, which I, which I love, and I feel like I have that about myself. And when Obi to Obi's question, when did you like find out that you were fat? Like, I don't know if I ever had that realization but I also didn't grow up as a plus size body I grew mm. up very much I grew up very much in the middle like okay. I was okay. I so I was I was probably what like a seven you know growing up I was I was like between between that size got up to like a size 10 and then puberty puberty birth control you know they pump us with all these hormones and mm-hmm. like um in life my body grew into the body that it is now and I like filled out and everything and I got to maybe a size 16 at my largest so it was never it was never like a like a realization like oh you're fat it was like oh if you want to be a model you need to lose weight it wasn't mm-hmm. an issue that I had okay. with my body okay it was trying to fit into the you industry. know what the world wanted me to yeah. be in order for me so I com- I completely quit modeling I was like you know forget all that it's not I'm not I'm tired of trying to force my body into something else and when I like let my body grow into what it needed to be is when like everything came to me just naturally um my modeling career just literally Okay. What'd you say? I said there's a message in there when there you just is. let go and, and allow the world to happen to you. That's it and I and I actually say that all the time it's when it's when you just be yourself be exactly who you are where like all of the things like you become like a magnet for all things positive for your life you become like in alignment when you're just kind of walking in your authenticity so and that's what happened with me but so I don't have like a when I found out I was fat like my body fluctuates and I've always been you know (laughs) bomb regardless it doesn't doesn't matter it doesn't matter what size I am because Jasmine like I'm I'm always good. So I can be bigger than I am now and I can be smaller. But to my core, like, you can't fuck with this. Okay. So so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't really something that that maybe you didn't have a similar experience, for example, like as Lauren is saying that she had. It wasn't something the messaging or the signaling you were getting at home or at school, you know, for you maybe it was kind of later on. It's later on, but I also again 
I'm a size 14. I'm not going to pretend to have the same issues as somebody who's who's a larger size than I am. Okay. Like my experience is going to be completely different because I'm seen different in this world. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing, I can't, I can't pretend to have the same experience as you, Lauren, or UV or you, Nana, and y'all don't have my experiences, but I'm, you know, it's, I like, I understand the, it's levels. There's levels. Shit. I was just about to say, there's <laughs> levels. So, um, so my experience is my own, but yeah. Okay. Still valid. Still mm-hmm. valid. How about Be you, Monica? My experience is definitely uh, at my biggest. I was a size twenty-four. Um, I've always been a big girl since I was like I was wearing size 12, 14 in elementary school. So that and that was like my normal size. Um, I've always been the tall girl. Right now I'm like six one, two hundred and ninety pounds. My ancestors are supposed to be the last of the giants. So I, you know, I'm a big girl. And I think that when we're talking about like on the scale, it's that's a difficult conversation to have with girls who have been on the bigger mm-hmm. size and then they've worked so hard to love themselves and to work on themselves to the best of their abilities. Not that it had anything to do with like wanting to lose weight. You know, obviously maybe when you start off, you know, it's it's for the wrong reasons, but along the way, when you, when you start doing the inner work, Mm -hmm. you start realizing that it had everything to do with me and nothing to do with everyone else. And I think that that's also like, there's like a gap in that conversation when there are like, fat people just trying to love themselves like yes. better yes. regardless of that looks like because then you got girls like Lizzo who did the juice diet and then a whole bunch of big girls came for her like you know like what a disgrace like how could you go against that and it's like damn they said it was fat phobic for she her to do something right for to her do body. something for herself like if you if there's so many things in society that's telling us what's wrong with us and you finally make the sound decision to like you know what i'm gonna take accountability for my happiness and i'm gonna be the one to claim this and like you know get and like redefine it on my terms i think that we have to hold space for those people like but again, it's like you can't be a small fat. Like you can't So I think there's there are definitely levels to the conversation. Um, and I think it's just like the really realization that I was fat is when I realized that I took up more space than the average Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like period point blank. I didn't know whether I was a big fat, a lot a super fat, a small fat. All I knew is that I was bigger. Then motherfucking Susan, not Susan. My mom's name was Susan. My I was like, was like, oh, <laughs> she coming for your mama. No, she not coming for her. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> no, 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 I appreciate you sharing, Veronica. And how about you, Nana? Bring us home on, on this question. Yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting um, listening to all of our different, like there's similarities, of course, in, in all of them, but like how different even women who fall into this community, how we've experienced things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, um, when did I, I and I apologize I didn't I didn't laugh because I thought that it was a silly question it, it I don't think that I've ever sat down and really thought when did I know that I was fat like so, so it yeah, kind of was I, I hit you with a hard question people it was, think yeah, I was trying to and, be funny and I, and I wasn't it, no no I, 
I didn't think at all, but I was just like, oh shit. <laughs> like, when did you realize? Uh-huh. Um, because I feel like when I see pictures of myself when I was younger and younger, I, maybe between like the ages of four and eight, I, I look like a uh, regular kid feels like um, an inappropriate thing to say, but like a, a straight bodied child. Like, you know, what kids look like when they're seven, like whatever. Um, And like what a lot of you ladies have said, once puberty hit and these titties came in was when (laughs) Eve struck her core. Because after that, (laughs) it was a wrap. I've never heard that said. And so like when I got my period and I got my period quite young, uh, I think I was about like nine or 10 when I got my period. Yeah. And so I remember... I remember going training bra shopping with my godmother and I had to have been maybe seven or eight. And, and then I remember for my birthday, she bought me a Victoria's secret bra and I remember it being a C and that was in the third grade. And I think that was like around nine or 10. So I've, I've, and I've like Lauren, I've always been the tallest person sometimes in class, not just the tallest girl. So after it was like, y'all all all tall, all four of y'all. Yeah. Fairly. Yeah. Fair. I think V's probably taller than. Well, no, Lauren, how tall are you? I'm five eleven. Yeah, so we're around the same. I'm five ten, so we're around the same yeah, height. I'm five ten. Yeah. Um. So I've always been growing up. I was always the tallest person in class, a lot of the time. Um. And I don't. I didn't get. If I was teased, they weren't doing it in front of my face because everybody knew that I would beat their ass. So I was definitely that girl in school. Ain't nobody bullying Nana. No one was bullying me. I I feel like people really fuck with me because I'm I'm dope, but they also knew I would get into that ass. So don't bring none of that shit over to me. Um, But I remember maybe in like the sixth grade, had a this was in the Clive Lyons. I was just the, about to ask, what was his name? <laughs> you beat me to it. I was gonna say, what happened? What was his name? Had, is this Clive from a, last week? This is not. It's another. It was another crush. It was another, another one. Okay, okay. This, and this, this, I think this hurt me even more because we were friends. Like this was like one of my one of my well, who I considered a friend, and. I remember he had a he you know like back in the day like you would help your friend talk to the girls or whatever mm-hmm, especially if like mm-hmm. you were cool with the guys and he wanted me to help him talk to another friend that I had and I remember telling him but I really like you and he was like but you will squish me and I wow. felt devastated no and how and, about in 2021, if you found him now, he would see you oh, bitch, like, I, I want listen. you to squish <laughs> he, would, he might <laughs> actually request nah, nah. you to do that now. Yes. <laughs> and so, like, I remember I, no one would, like, in, in respect to school, I don't really feel like I had negative experiences about my weight. But I, I, it was very clear to me that boys weren't interested in being around me in the same way that they were interested in being around other girls. Mm. But my family... Is, is this where the damage happened? They, my grandmother in particular, like she had a nickname for me that essentially meant fat girl. And I, and I remember like crying to my mom. And this like, was not this, used as a term of endearment. Like, hey, call me a chubby cheeks cute. or something. But she thought nah. it was like the sweetest okay. thing. Okay. I never felt that way about it. Got it. Um, 
And I remember going to my mom and being like, like, this really hurts me. And she would be like, well, then you need to, then these are things that we need to work on. And, and I, like, I resented my mom for a long time because I felt like she should have defended me. She should have came to my aid. She should have told my grandmother, stop saying that, you know what I'm saying? And, and it wasn't until I, I grew up and, you know, me and that's my good Judy. Like, I love my mom. That's my girlfriend. But I, I realized that she was a heavier child. And so I feel like there were a lot of repressed things that she was putting on me yeah, I was because just of about things that she hadn't that. resolved okay. when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And we actually had a conversation um, recently when she was living with me about how we talk about my weight because she thinks she's supporting me. She thinks that she's helping me on my journeys. And she is literally doing the antithesis of what it is that she thinks she's doing. And I don't know, a lot of you may or may not know, but I'm on a bit of a wellness, figuring out, being into, being grateful for my body right now. And V said something that was like really instrumental what really struck a chord with me is like when you finally have a conversation as a bigger bodied person that you are going to honor cherish love the space that you're in with your body right now and maybe in turn you start exercising or you eat differently um it like especially with what I'm doing it the goal was not to lose weight the goal was to get more active because I've always been an active person and definitely during quarantine, I wasn't moving at all. And my body was starting to feel that way. And so I decided to bring activity back into my life. And in turn that changes the way that my body looks. Um, But more importantly, I wanted to be in a space where I could honor my body regardless of what it looked like. I wanted to love my body regardless of what it looked like. I just wanted to be here. Like, I just wanted to live and live, you know, comfortably and not have to take medication anymore and not have to you know, brace myself when it take, when it's time to walk upstairs. Like I just wanted to live a fruitful life. And that meant changing some of the things that I was doing. And in turn, it is, it's interesting now that I'm paying so much attention to my body and it is changing in a way and other people are paying attention to my body. And it's sometimes it's conflicting where is the attention, is the attention because I'm smaller because I mean, when you move more and you eat better, the pounds go away. And so like, I'm getting attention from people and saying things about my body who may have never said those things to me before. And it's like, well, what did you think about me when I was bigger? And like, and it's hard to kind of celebrate the changes that I've made when I loved Nana from 14 months ago. I thought she was dope as shit. And a lot of people fucked with her and thought she was great. But like now that like, and you know, I don't want to give these people too much attention because they don't matter, but it's hard to reconcile or it's hard to think that maybe there was, there was something wrong with who I was or like now that friends, 
people that I know sincerely care about me are like, oh girl, you look so good. We always used to say, if only Nana would lose 20 pounds. And it's like, A, why do you feel comfortable saying that to me? B, what does that even mean? Because the, if the, I, if these I, are your friends? These are people your that I though? that I know love me. Like, oh, and, and, no. and I think that is well, the thing. What do you, I, I, and I'm sorry, I'm just gonna jump real quick. When, mm-hmm. when you receive those kinds of comments or remarks from, from people in your circle, do you say anything back to them or is it is it kind of like an uncomfortable conversation to have right there and then like how do you how do you handle that when that when that happens it's it's hard it's really really difficult because i don't think it is said um it is said to demean me or to um I sincerely think that these people, and these are the the people that I'm talking about, have known me for decades. They've been there to support me. Like, I know that they care. I mean, even my mom, like literally every time I get on FaceTime with her, she always mentions like how slim my face looks now. And I'm just like, you need to stop saying that. Like, you need to stop saying that. I am, I see myself every single day. I'm very aware of how different I look when, before you lived here. But when you make certain comp, like it's, it's hard. Like I don't, I haven't come to a space yet where I can like chastise them or be like, don't fucking say that. Like it's, it's, it's shocking to me. Sometimes I'm left stunned and I don't know what to say. Um, But I, it sits in my head. It sits on my spirit. I don't, it doesn't go away because it's like, you just told me that you've had conversations with other people about how if I only lost X amount of weight, I would be the baddest. What? And 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 in a way that I should be, I should be thankful, like complimentary. Like that's that's oh girl, look, you getting there. The fuck? Like, I don't, how do you what do you do? What do you do with that? Is like really, yeah, I'm just like, yeah. Like, huh? like how do you even respond? I, I mean, I, I, I saw I, I saw know. the rest of y'all shaking your head. So I know, I know y'all got <laughs> A lot to say on the topic. Yeah, Phil, jump in, jump yeah. in, Lauren. What 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 were you Just, about to say? Um, so it's actually interesting. So I grew up fat, and then when I was around twenty, maybe it was like twenty three or something like that. Twenty two, twenty three. Out of nowhere, I like lost a hundred pounds. Had no idea how it happened. Oh. I just like oh, randomly. Just and I have always, and wow. I've always been larger and i'm talking about like large large like wearing a size 24 in the ninth grade 10th grade so like always been very big and and i shouldn't say very big but for you know that time in that era in my life i was a very large kid in comparison to everyone else you know in the school around me and so um then after college out of nowhere i just like lost like 100 something pounds so i went from being like 330 or something like that or no, it was almost, it was like 380 or something. And then all of a sudden I was like 280. And because I'm tall, I went from being like a size 24, 26 to being like a size 12, 14. Wow. And so I've actually, and then a few, um, like two years later, realized that the reason I had lost so much weight was because (laughs) 
I had a thyroid issue. And so, but going to the doctor and being like, how do I lose so much weight? Like, where did this even come from? And him being like, I don't know, but you, you know, it's this is great. great. Yeah. It's going great. <laughs> right. Um, and then being like, and then like, okay, I guess I'm fine. And then all of a sudden like losing hair and having swelling and having heart palpitations and all of these like really fucked up things that happen when you have a hyper thyroid. Um, then discovering that I had a medical issue and then being like, oh, so that's why you lost the weight. But anyway, I said all that to say, I've been on these different spectrums where never that I was like skinny, but I have been the larger fat. I have also been a smaller fat and then I'm going back to being a larger fat. Mm -hmm. And so I see, I have seen the ways in which the way I'm treated Mm -hmm. drastically has changed between all of those sizes when I was a size 12 on top and a size 14 on the bottom or 60 on the bottom, people treated me very differently than they treated me when I was a size 26. Mm -hmm. Um, People were a lot kinder. Men were a lot more interested or a lot nicer um, and would treat me nicer, would hold doors for me and, you know, compliment me and smile things and not say like really, I don't want to say heinous, but really like super explicit things. I feel like the the most explicit and disgusting things that I've heard from men have been when I was larger mm-hmm. um, and you know, the size that I am now. Um, and so I've seen to your point on the way that people treat you. And then even um, my family didn't necessarily treat me differently, but the way I made friends and the way that certain friends had treated me mm. um, also, you know, like my ride or die is always my ride or dies, sure. but you know, like the, the flim flammy friends that come and go. All of a sudden everybody want to be down everybody want to hang yeah, out. Yeah. It was like, yeah. okay. So we were kind of cool, but now all of a sudden I'm smaller and it's like, now we can go hang out certain places. Now I'm getting the invites to places. Yeah. yeah. Kind of so it was very interesting um, to see how people treat you and speak to you. And, um, and that's something just going back to fat liberation and, you know, mm-hmm. fat acceptance. Um, why it's so important to have these conversations because people need to really confront their anti-fatness and understand, well, why am I treating you differently? Because you are smaller now. Yeah. Why you're the same exact person on the inside. You are still kind. You're still thoughtful. You're still funny. You know, you still dress, you know, the same way that you would have dressed regardless of your size. But now, because I don't see you as this one thing, I can now, I have the right now to treat you better. There's a different um, level of appreciation. Yeah, there's a different yeah. level of appreciation and respect and access. And I have absolutely seen it because I have been these different sizes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, wow. you've, you've experienced the gamut of, of how people respond to you at, at different sizes. Yeah. Oh, Got to. absolutely. Absolutely. And I, not, not to be, um, not to discredit the fact that I also realized I do have privilege because even when I was at my largest, I did have a certain body shape. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had like the desired body shape. And so even when I got, to that size it was like okay i'm still you know small in the waist with the with the wide hips and the big butt and so it it also plays into it so i know that for a fact if i was that size and i was rounder in the middle or i was a certain body shape i would have been treated even worse exactly yep 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 i see well, no, I mean, y- y'all, y'all all hit on a few things, and, and I see what so I many s- things. I know, I see, I see now why this thing was a big thing because there's so many things that you can hit on. Because I know Lauren brought up, for example, I know a conversation that I've heard come up uh, more frequently recently is how the medical community 
uh, treats yes. and response to fat people. And I know, for example, you, you, you just shared um, that that you were going through, um, you were having issues with your thyroid in your early 20s. And that actually is what was impacting your, your kind of like dramatic or very quick weight loss. But it sounds like from what you shared, your doctor probably just thought you were doing well. Maybe you were eating better or you were exercising. So he didn't, he or she, or, you know, they didn't go to the extent to like, maybe this is actually an issue. Maybe this is a bad thing that Lauren has dropped a hundred pounds in a year. And maybe this is something that, that we need to pay attention to more. I'm just curious from y'all, you know, especially since Lauren just brought that up. Um, what has your experience been with your, you know, your primary care physicians or when you, you know, when your, your doctors, your specialists, do you feel like, have you, do you also see them treating you differently as maybe you fluctuated in your size or at different weights? For sure. I definitely, like, I've always known that I was a bigger and taller girl since I was younger. So, and like the, the terms, even like my, my brothers still call me fat girl to this day that I was always teased about my weight. And so, you know, in a lot of our communities, we we call that tough love growing up, but we don't really understand how like toxic it was to, mm-hmm. to us. And so I don't know, I've always, like I've been able to kind of take things, not take things so personal. And so when I'm in the hot, when I'm like in the hospital and I'm talking to the doctors, like I'll say it for them. Like I know I'm big, but you know, like I just went to go get my knee checked out. And the guy was like, it's so funny because he had he didn't know who I was, my physical therapist. He didn't know how many times I worked out a week. And he's like, you know, well, a lot of people would like develop knee problems because they gain weight. And then mm. and then later on he asked me, like, what do you do to work out? And I'm like, Oh, I, I box, you know, I, I do all these different things. He's like, Oh, then he like changed his remarks. Well, well, you know, skinny people have knee issues too. So it's not really a weight thing. Then unbelievable. So that's why like for me, it's like <laughs> To me, it always boils down to accountability and responsibility to go educate ourselves so that we're not just leaning on these motherfuckers to tell us like exactly. what and what isn't good for our body. Yeah. But that's also part of our natural ancestral history that we've inherited is being more intuitive and being more in tune and being more spiritually connected to the, like everything that deals with life. Um, and so I've been trying to uh, approach a lot of my health things like from a holistic approach Mm. like just eating all the things that give me the most life that have the most chi in there um like how you were saying lauren like just or i think you were saying nana like just being active like i i move because i understand the way trauma works and how it gets stuck in my body and now Mm -hmm. no longer has to do with how I look, how many weight, how much, how many pounds I'm gonna drop, it has everything to do with how I feel right. and where I pull my inspiration from. How I know that I'm operating at my highest levels because I'm doing all these other things, you know, like the exercising of the body is the exercise of the mind. Like, so I've just been able to like really tap into those things, and that's why like now it's like I don't care. Like you can't tell me about me. So you can't tell me something that I already know about myself. I live in this shit every fucking day. So mm-hmm. you want to say a little slick comment doesn't bother me. You want to you make you know be sarcastic about like how my health correlates with this other shit. Like you don't gotta tell me. I I know I'm the one that has to wake up every day and thug it out. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I've learned to just not take it personal and like I take. But I, again, I know that we all process things differently and like the way that we take on. So I know someone else really, it will, like they go into the office and they really do feel uncomfortable. And I think 
again, it, it goes back to us, like just reclaiming this power that we have and owning up to like who we are, mm. you know, being, being the black woman, being the original blueprint, that's who you are. Fuck everything they said to us before. Now you know that shit, you gotta run with it. Like yeah. run with it and live it to the fullest and like celebrate it. Like they really, really celebrate it. And, and also, but also show up though. Yeah. Because us showing up in our bodies authentically is gonna inspire the next generation. So they don't have to go through the shit that we went through. Like that's, that's literally it. You having a conversation with your mom and telling her, you know, the things that my grandmother said were hurtful and you not taking up for me. When you have your own children or if you decide to have your own children, you're not going to repeat those same things. Absolutely. That's why our gener- I think why our generation is going through so many growing pains right now as it is, because we are the ones that are breaking these curses. We are the mm. ones that are, you know, really shaking shit up and pissing our parents off and pissing our grandparents off so that way we can have, because I'm not gonna say it's too late for us. It's, it's not too late for us Absolutely not. at all. But to build a foundation, we can build a, a solid foundation for the next generation. So that way our kids don't have to go through the shit that we went through. And I know I already said that, but, but no, no, <laughs> it's important. It's so important. It's important. Um, but to, I just want to add to your point though, like uh, unlearning the way that our, our moms used to communicate with themselves about their body and to us. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why it's important. Like how this body positivity movement, it's a, it's like a nuance, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you really don't become body positive until you've been through a fair share of experiences mm. and have that wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're that woman who's in her thirties, who really knows herself. And you're like, no, fuck everybody. I'm going to live my life and do what I do. Exactly. But we didn't have these figures for us growing yeah. up. So now we're just becoming the, the girls that we needed when we were younger. And I want to be able to highlight on that. Like, Cause when we get as like adult fats and we're talking about the spectrums, like the little girl in us doesn't even know the difference. Absolutely. So I really like would love for us to stray away from that conversation and just being who we needed for that young black girl, that young white, uh, the well, white girl, the young brown girl, <laughs> not the white girl. <laughs> um, but like, you know, j- just being like really present and, and being more encouraging and being more of a positive reinforcement that like, hey, you're gonna go through these things, but guess what? It gets better. Do not mm-hmm. rush into growing up. Take your time. Love yourself. You know, I feel like even when we were growing up, we we know those girls who were like really, really fast. You know, like I remember when they were talking about sex, and it's like, dude, I even <laughs> like it's like it was like such a you know foreign world to me in elementary school, and people were just so you know, ahead of their time. And it's like, now- Everybody goes at their own taste though. Yeah. And I remember like when I was in my twenties, the women in their thirties were like, no, it's going to get better. All the things you <laughs> care about, it gets better. And then yeah. now in my thirties, I love it so much. I love it here. But then my friends who are in their forties are like, no girl. It gets you, way you, better. <laughs> like if you think it's lit now, wait until you get into your forties. You really don't get it now. <laughs> so like, I'm just really excited about redefining these things and like talking about things in a be- in a better light. Like yeah. for the four young girls, because they're not going to get it. It's not going to hit them until they get into their twenties. And they're not going to, you know, it's not going to, really resonate because they haven't gone through these experiences puberty and even like tapping in with their sexuality and I'm really excited to get into that topic as a big girl as well but like all those things really have a lot to do with your self-esteem and once you get here being fat is the last thing you're worried about. That's You want to you have someone with good habits, great qualities, with like, you know, with a great, uh, who's a great conversationalist. Like there's so many different things to your body. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, 
I just like, you know. I just can't wait to go into, you know, the the next stages into my life with a higher level of consciousness than my parents did. Mm -hmm. You know, I know myself on a different level than they did. So I understand, for example, we were talking about with kids, my stepmother speaking negatively about herself in front of my my like niece and nephew and in front of my youngest siblings. I'm not gonna repeat those same things because I know myself better than she does. Well, and I'm not saying that she doesn't know herself, but the way that I understand my body and the way that I appreciate my body is different than hers. And just understanding that I, I come from a different level of consciousness. But I think what Veronica said was, is paramount is a, a lot of these conversations weren't had when our parents were growing up. They didn't have the, I mean, and a, a lot of our parents are, well, a few of us are immigrants. And so our parents were dealing with, you know, establishing themselves in this country and figuring out how to, you know, feed their kids and go to work every day and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so, like, I feel like in conversations that I have with my mom now, she wanted, her goal was for me to be for me to have it better than she did, of course, and for, for my life to be as easy as possible. And unfortunately, in her eyes, that meant not having to deal with maybe some of the things that she endured. And hopefully that meant having a smaller body because you there's less strife that you have to deal with when you have a smaller body. There are less sometimes health conditions that you have to worry about when you have a smaller body. And like going back to the question that Obi posed I, whenever it is time for me to take, get my annual physical, I dread it. I dread it. I dread it. I dread it. I hate, I, I go to, I'm not one of the blacks that doesn't go to the doctor. I understand. The no, please do. Please do. It's very important. We need to go get checked out. And we all we collectively need... on the other side of yes. 30. So we got to, we, we got to stop paying attention to some of these things. <laughs> very much so that it's a lot of tests that we need to take regularly yep, now yep. because of our age. Um, and my mother was very like we we got every before school we went to doctor every year and I hated it every year and um and even in, in my big age I hate going to the doctor because I hate getting on that scale I hate getting my blood pressure taken I hate like since I was about eighteen it, the conversations have been the same um, and so I'm somebody who suffers from high blood pressure. I'm medicated and literally my goal, like I went to the doctor, actually a pretty funny story. Um, I went, I didn't get a physical last year because of COVID, but I went to the doctor this year and I, I had to go to the doctor maybe like in June, July of last year to get my prescription, um, renewed because I hadn't been and so they were like we need to get you checked out whatever and um and so when I went to the doctor this year I am I've been on this journey for about 11 months now my body is very different my weight is very different and I remember when the nurse asked me to step on the scale I knew that there was going to be a significant change but they hadn't seen me in like six months so she asked me to step on the scale maybe three times she had another nurse come in to step on the scale because I literally think that they thought either I broke it or something was wrong with it because she didn't understand how from the last time I was at the doctors to now how there was such a significant change. 
And um, when I met with my, when, when I met with my actual doctor, she was like, are you aware that you've lost X amount of pounds? And I was like, yes, I'm aware I've lost X amount of pounds because I've been working on losing X amount of pounds. And so like, that was the first time that I was in the doctor's office where it was like, like alarm bells were going off. And I thought that they would be happy that I'd lost. Like I I was looking for alarm response. Like, Hey, this is working. You're doing great. And they were like, no, what's going, they were like, wait, hold up. What's going on here? Because you couldn't have lost all that weight in this short amount of time. Um, and then, but I, I remember being 18 years old, like literally, I can't tell you the amount of times nurses have told me that I should do this surgery, do that surgery, get this sleeve, go cut this part of my stomach off. Um, I literally, because I think because of my high blood pressure, I've had, I take an EKG probably every year. Nothing is ever wrong with me. I've had sonograms of my heart to check that my valves are working. Everything is always usually fine, but like be, and it's all has everything to do with my weight has everything to do with my weight. And then like right now I'm in a space where my blood pressure is regulated and I would really, I'm like, my goal is to not have to take medication anymore. And my doctor's like, no, it means this is working. So you're going to have to, and I was like, well, can it, can it work? And can I get off of it? Like, I don't want to have to do this anymore. And she's like, well, that, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. If it's working, then we should keep you on. And I was like, but like, I didn't need this before. And so, so like that conversation is like really hard. They always want me to meet with the nutritionist and a dietitian. Like it, there, there are things and a lot, there's been a lot of turnover because of COVID. So I have a brand new doctor. And so like having all of these conversations all over again, all the time is like really, really frustrating. Um, and one, oh, please go ahead. No, no, no. Something that I was going to add to that, that I think is important is something, um, Veronica also touched on too, is just keeping yourself educated. I think that's something that is important for everybody, but especially, um, as somebody that is living in a larger body, because the conversation is always going to go to your weight, regardless of if there's something weight related wrong or not, the first thing they're going to talk about is (laughs) your weight. So just being educated about what you know about your body and Tanana, your point, like you were having all of these new doctors, um, just saying like, Hey, I know what is working for me mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It is this, how can we regulate this? Um, understanding, you know, if you are doing certain types of exercises or activity that does put strain on certain parts of your body, understanding what your alternatives are, and then also seeking out medical professionals that are going to treat you for your ailment and not specifically for your weight. <laughs> for your weight, if that is not the key cause of what is going on with you and choosing doctors that recognize that is super duper important and having doctors that like want to push certain medications. And I, I have thoughts and feels about every doctor that feels that everyone should have gastric bypass or a sleeve. Mm -hmm. I have very strong feelings about that. Um, when they start talking about that immediately without even trying to understand what else is going on with your body, like that should be a red flag. Absolutely. Just knowing what your options are and, and asking the right questions and doing your own research so that you can be informed when you go into these offices and the doctor tries to tell you something about your body that, you know, is not true about your body. Um, you can then question them and make sure you get the proper medical care. I I think that that that's like, I know that like a lot of times 
you know, people are looking for, you know, black doctors or women doctors, all those kind of things. And I'm like, I've, I don't think I've ever had a fat doctor, but I would be really interested in having a fat doctor because I feel like a, what you're saying is huge. And there are so many, like there are a lot of articles, a lot of TV specials on people who have gone to the doctors because they've had a pain in their stomach or some their back has been hurting for months. And everybody assumes if you just lost 10 pounds, you would be healed and no I'm growing a tumor in my stomach or there I have an aneurysm somewhere and it's like because you're so consumed with what my body looks like and what my size is you're not even fucking doing your job and so I wonder if I had a fat doctor that could see could understand that you know they occupy this world in a a larger body and they don't have all of these issues with it that maybe if I come to you and I tell you this thing hurts you pay attention to this thing and stop looking at my gut like I I just feel like there may be a level of understanding and a a level of nuance that they I don't know It, it could be ridiculous I've never had a fat doctor I'm curious now how do I get a fat doctor because I just because I I I it's it's so absurd to me to like feel like you're you're silent, like you have already assumed either because of whatever the scale has told you before I got to your off to like to meet with the actual doctor. Or if you've seen me sitting in the waiting room, you already have preconceived notions of what could be wrong with me. And you're and you're not doing your due diligence. And that's literally your whole job is to take the information that is given to you and figure out a solution. The solution can't always be 10, lose 10 pounds. That, that it's absurd. If I'm telling you that something else is ailing me, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think the main reason that that probably happens is because so much of anti-fatness rhetoric is seeped in kind of like pseudo health stuff. Like I know anytime that I'm, you know, like on Twitter or on IG and, you know, and you see maybe someone share, um, you know, like a fat person share a picture of themselves, you undoubtedly will have some asshat in the comments like, oh, you're promoting being obesity. unhealthy or yeah. or, or yeah. promoting obesity. And I think that's it's kind of like the guise or the cover that so many people who, you know, are anti-fat use to, to kind of disparage um, fat people. And, you know, I think one good example, and, and it's one... Um, I think it was either my mom, my mom's a nurse or my my sister, some of my family shared with me, is how like when you look at the research of something like the BMI, the body mass Mm. index, and the history behind that, once you kind of do your research and see the origins of it and, and the fact that this was completely designed around a cohort of white European men. And now mm-hmm. this is somehow the standard by which we are all being measured for our 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 health. You know what I mean? Like I know even for me, I you know during during um, the pandemic or during uh, since COVID um, hit last year, I probably put on like a good 30, 40 pounds. And now, like if I go and do a BMI test, it I think I'm even I am like in the morbidly obese category. And it's like, okay, damn, I know I put on some weight and I know, you know, I need to, you know, get in shape, exercise, all the good stuff. I know it. But like, it's like, oh, what what does that mean now? What, I, I'm morbidly obese. Like what? That doesn't even jive with the way that I view myself, you know? Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys have, I'm sure, I'm sure um, y'all have kind of know the story behind BMI and all of that. But I think it seems like a, a lot of the issue, just like a lot of parts of our society is 
were using the whether it's the white gaze or the white standard or Eurocentric mm-hmm. standards mm-hmm. to tell us how we should be living, right. if not our lives, you know, what we should be eating, how we should be exercising. And I think Veronica's really done a, a great a great job of like reminding us throughout this episode that we just need to say fuck all of that. Cause so much <laughs> of that stuff literally does not even apply to our our physical body. Exactly. Yeah. It, it literally doesn't even apply to us. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys ever heard, I'm pretty sure you, you may have. Um, it's called Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. Mm-hmm. Oh, so tell us that, about that. What, what is that? I was going to bring that up because it's just an education of like the attack on Black women and how this is have already been set in place like since slavery. So I think that that's why it's like we can't trust we, you know, we can't like fully rely on the evidence on like whatever it is that they're Western medicine. Yeah, that they're like supplying us with. We really have to go learn for for ourselves and like unlearn, <laughs> unlearn a lot of these things. And then you know, like what you're saying earlier, Nana, like in this journey to self love. Yes, it you know it could be losing weight, but it's basically just going against any of the insecurities, anything that you've ever had low self-esteem about. And once you really tap into that, like you, your blinders are on, you know, mm-hmm. you you move differently, you operate from a different space. The, the How you were saying that a lot of people started switching up the way that, you know, how they like, they viewed you, but sometimes it could just be you too. Cause now you've like had your own awakening to who you are. And so you're, you're, you're lighter. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, for sure. That that definitely was something just, that they're kind of going according to like how you feel about yourself. Like yeah. I'm a bitch. So when I walk around, you gonna know that I'm that bitch, and that's why you're gonna treat me different. Period. Yeah, I dropped all these things, but I dropped this weight. But along with this weight, there was something else that like rebirthed in me that mm-hmm. I had like a renewal, and I think like that's like a, a a part of the journey that needs to be discussed more and less about like the things that have hindered us. Yeah. Cause like, that's a very like untapped territory of like real self-love, like really being liberated in who you are and the space that you, that like you occupy on this planet. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say that. Sorry. I also think it's important to acknowledge like Obi was saying about, you know, the BMI being based on European white men or European men. Um, the system is working exactly the way it should. You know what I mean? Like you go in, it's a business. You go in, the first thing they push on you is surgery because it's expensive to do surgery. They don't want, they don't want to acknowledge, you know, anything else about your body, one, because they suppress black bodies in general, black women in general, and then fat bodies, the things that like all of us have gone through. Um, from, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that that's a really, and that's another thing when I know that we talk about the representation in our physicians, it's like, there's never a conversation about your neighborhood. What food is afforded to you? What is available to you? What, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I live in the Bronx. Lauren also lives in the Bronx. I, I feel like in respect to fresh produce and accessibility is a huge issue that a lot of our neighborhoods deal with. Um, And so like when, Yes, it's easy to be like, oh, you're morbidly obese. Yeah, nigga, there's 17. I just, to get to this doctor's office, I walked by 17 Popeyes and 14 McDonald's. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. There, I can't find fresh produce in my neighborhood. I have to go to Parkchester or I have to go to uh, Pelham to get fresh produce. My local bodega is is the, the quickest and the most reputable supermarket. My corner store. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these conversations. Iceberg lettuce. I'm sorry? I said the only thing you can get there is iceberg lettuce. If that. <laughs> if that. If that. Right? If that. You can't even get Some avocado. old tomatoes, yeah. <laughs> what is the avocado? What are you talking about? Only in Williamsburg. <laughs> you know no, what I'm saying? So facts. I feel like there, there are so many components. There are so many things that attribute to why somebody's body looks the way that it does. And that's never a conversation when you go to the doctors. That's never a conversation when you go, um, when you speak to medical professionals. And it's like, you want me to sit with this dietitian and you've marked all these things for me. To, where am I supposed to buy this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how much is that going to cost Access, me? yep. You know what I'm saying? And so like, um, I don't, there, I'm sorry, Jasmine, I didn't mean it, but like, that was like, it's huge. Like it's, it's, it's like, there's so many reasons. Nobody, I mean, yes, sure. Some people just like to eat and and that's going to be it. And that's fine. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But like, there needs to be a deeper understanding as to why certain people, especially black and brown people, especially marginalized communities, marginalized neighborhoods, underrepresented, underfunded, why we see these things are prevalent in our communities, high blood pressure, diabetes. I don't know how many times they done told me I was pre-diabetic. Is it going to come? Is it not going to come? What's up? Like, I don't, it's just so ridiculous. What's it going to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's just like, it's, there needs to be if, if you care about the health of this community, then you really need to care about the health of this community. And that means that we need more resources. Yeah, from like a, a, a holistic approach. That's that's such right. a good point. I mean, shit, Whole Foods won't touch a neighborhood unless the median income is like 80K. I don't know if y'all know is that. Is that true? They will, not, you... they will not set foot or break ground in a neighborhood unless the income level is at a certain point. And that, wow. like like Jazz was saying just a few minutes ago, so much of this stuff is is really and truly by design, and it's like yeah. you you have a lot of these, a lot of these chips uh, kind of stacked against you, especially when we talk yeah. about black and brown folk here in the states and their relationship with the the medical communities. So I mean, no, we 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 hit on a whole other little. I'm about side. to say we, we could do a part two. We could make two. this this Literally. could be a whole episode <laughs> too. Yeah. The core issue is always white supremacy. Yeah, really and truly, it it all somehow uh, comes back to that. (laughs) Say like my homie Hawk, the founder of the BLM Greater New York chapter here. He says black people need to be more radical. Black people need to set up their own systems, and they know how to police themselves. Like it, it needs to be a complete separation for what we know right now because it's all a setup and you know it's by design so that it doesn't really matter exactly the way it should like what we say how we say that yeah it's supposed to happen this way and until we reclaim that that knowledge of of ourselves and who we are being the original people of the land who fostered the land who cared for the land um you know when we're taking those things out of the mix then it then it makes more sense as a community, as a collective. But right now it's like the we versus me mindset. And that's because mm. we're in the Western 
we're in the Western Hemisphere. And, you know, even me, I always get checked from folks back home. They're always telling me, like, don't be trying to come over here with your Western school of thought. <laughs> They're not here for you it. You know, <laughs> <Like we always laughs> from different perspectives, like the world does not revolve around you guys. And yeah. but, but again, like when you're saying we're immigrants, we're all immigrants here, you know, and until we can really learn that history, which I think is, it's a great time right now to be alive as a black and brown person, you know, it's like the most, um, I feel like it's the, not, not the most, but I just feel like we're really challenging the status quo when we're like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in all the ways. It's not supposed to be like this. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Like, no, I don't have to just take this. And yes, our parents definitely were here off survival, but now we have, we actually have the luxury of choosing. That's yeah. the privilege that yeah. we all have right now is that we can actually choose to, to, to live a different quality of life, to have a better quality of life. Um, and then to also, you know, really emphasize on the strongest institution being the family institution, you know, going back into like the black families, making sure that that social construct is like fully there and present. Like, and it, you know, it's all families, you know, it's all families, but like that, that is where I see is like, where we definitely, the more awareness that we have of ourselves, the more that we can actually pour into our communities, into our partners, into our sisters, our brothers. More the the more that we elevate ourselves as women, the more that we can elevate the men. Because if we strip the color and the race and the ethnicity, it's a it's a there's an imbalance in the feminine and masculine energies in the world. So I I do think that um, there, there's that structure of the matriarch that needs to be reinstilled in society as well. Like. Mm. You know, they're 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 we're, we're the caretakers, you know, of 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 the family. You know, we're the nurturers, and we're we're the ones that actually hold the history um, for the future generations. And um, you know, it's definitely I, I feel like in the in the journey to like self discovery, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get upset, you're gonna have rage, you're gonna feel a little discouraged. Like, dang, this whole thing is set up for us to fail yeah but then when you look at just like living and just being alive and being grateful to like that we are even thinking at this level on this level like no that's huge but even consciousness like but even with that consciousness and with us being able to choose we can choose to build our own communities we can choose to like change this food desert shit to put our money together and to like build things generational learn, things, learn how to grow organize food. grow our own food and because we're conscious of it because we have the information literally in our fingertips with our phones mm-hmm. and all the things um, <laughs> also it not was better. in your fingertips i'm not right. anymore yeah. better fingers over here um but yeah so we we have that power to to actually make the changes and not rely on the system that was built against us so we we just have to create our own. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I appreciate all of y'all sharing, and 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 I don't know if it's cool with you. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, uh, you didn't take you. I I you. The funny thing was when we first thought about, it, he was like, you know, uh, no, 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 I'm gonna leave this up to you. Yeah. I know, I know you how passionate you are about this topic. I'm gonna let you know. <laughs> well, let me shut this up. You cannot help but facilitate no, a conversation. I just got like, a lot ahead. of questions. I just got mm-hmm. a lot of questions. Like my questions mm-hmm. have questions. Um, mm-hmm. No, I just wanted to zoom out a little bit because I, I really loved you, you had this on the outline and, and, you know, we've kind of been bouncing around a little bit. But I'm wondering, um, you know, so much of the conversation that we've had thus far has kind of been on the macro level, super important. And, and I'm happy, especially um, um, for you, V, for kind of adding that lens about how we need to kind of 
um, ingest all of this information. But how do you guys refer to yourselves? Do you refer to yourself as fat, thick, curvy, fluffy? Does it make a difference in how you talk about yourself? Because I know um, for myself, like as I just shared, you know, I, I, I put on some of these pandemic pounds and I've had to catch myself even as how I talk about myself. And this kind of shows you how insidious the anti-fatness thing is because I'll catch myself saying like, oh, shit, I'm getting fat. And and so my my thing uh, of what I need to do to change that is to whether it's work out or eat better. But there's that kind of um, negative connotation that even I have about putting mm. on weight. So I'm just wondering, you know, it seems like we're at a point where fat isn't a bad or dirty word in, in the way that maybe it, it was when we were younger. But I'm just curious how you guys kind of understand yourselves and, and with all the different terms that we have flown around when it comes to, to, to body size. Um, I have mentioned this before we start recording, but I am very comfortable with the word fat. It does not bother me at all. Um, you know, I'm also okay with people saying plus size, uh, larger body, whatever the term is. Um, I think it, to your point though, um, not just talking about like how I refer to myself, but how people attach those words and what those words mean really. So like for you, for me saying I'm fat, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm fat. And that's just a description of my body. But when you're talking about like, oh, I put on 30 pounds, I got to watch myself. I'm getting fat. And the connotation there is I'm getting fat. There's something wrong with me. I'm becoming unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a different connotation. I feel like that's where these words start taking on (laughs) way different directions and meanings. Um, And so, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with describing yourself if you are a larger, if you are actual fat person, describing yourself as fat. But when we take that word and we use it as like a negative thing to describe a feeling or, you know, this, um, this, uh, this point in your life that you don't want to be because it's like, oh, that's such a bad thing. And even like you saying like, oh, I have to eat better. I have problems even with that because like, you need to eat differently. Mm-hmm. You want to eat some different food, you know? This is true. Uh, no, that's a good point. That's food a good is not point. inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Enjoying, a, you know, tapping into a craving is not bad. How you eat and like the, the amount that you're eating and things yeah. like that, yeah. like, that makes yeah. a difference. But like eating better is very is should kind of like be abolished and be saying like I'm eating differently now. Got I'm it. eating foods, you okay. know. So even okay. just no, like the whole like that. mindset that you're I'm not and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I no, think please I, do. No, it's here. It's all good. It, it's so I, t- I think that all that that way that we speak also ties into like anti-fatness as well. Cause like I gotta eat better. It absolutely food does. that I was eating and enjoying was bad for me, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm fat and then fat is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I do think there's like a whole Word as Crystal from the Reed says, words mean things. They do. Oh, Donna says that all the time. It's true. It's true. And so it is important to to really tap into that and think about it um, in a in a different way. Um, I also think, yeah, just as much as words mean things, um, it also how much power you put behind the word. You know, Mm -hmm. like I said, that is not a bad word to you. That is not a bad word to me. Mm -hmm. It's a descriptive word. Mm -hmm. I have that. Like, like when I think of categorizing myself like in whether I'm small fat I'm definitely a small fat but when I think about myself and my size and maybe even the way I think about my body is a privilege because I am a small fat um I don't 
because I've been different sizes. I don't, I don't want to put one label on myself because I might get bigger and I might be small, might get smaller. So does that, do I have to like shift some kind of way? Like what, like, what would I have to do now? I just categorize myself as Jasmine. Like I'm, mm. I'm just myself. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't, maybe it is, like I said, maybe that is a privilege, but we just need to own our fatness. Yeah. Right? Like, like if I'm fat, like, let me, it, like... Fat. Like, <laughs> let me just be fat. Like, let me just be fat. I feel like, you know, what you're saying is like, once we take, the, reclaim the power in these words and like we redefine them, then when every, when they use it against us, we, it doesn't hurt. It like really comes off as oil. Cause it's like, you can't tell me, I, like I said, you can't tell me something about myself. I don't already know. Just like when you go to, <laughs> just same like when you go to the doctor and you already like, look, I know I'm big. I know you're going to say this, this and that, but if I, if I already know me. myself, if I'm already comfortable <laughs> with myself, what you say about me can't hurt me. It's like, like doc, it, I came in because my ear is hurting. Like this, 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 doc, this don't got nothing to do with my weight. Ear? <laughs> <laughs> Losing ten pounds, not gonna take it. I'm they're gonna turn around and try to say that though. They will. They'll find a way to Jesus. bring it back to you. You'll find out. Absolutely. Um, wait, your ears get skinny. <laughs> like what? Not your ears on, get doctor? skinny. <laughs> No, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate you saying that. So I guess really what it is, it, it sounds like. Are it's you gonna a let me answer? Because I know that, I didn't answer. Oh no, I wasn't. I I still wanted you to answer. I was just giving some quick feedback to what she said. Oh, if okay. I may, you know. You may. Uh oh. This is you. the Nana show, Obi. I'm just Ooh. like, hello. I, just I be I be forgetting sometimes <laughs> who really runs shit around here. No, no go ahead, go, go ahead, I, go ahead, love. I just want to say that I love what Lauren was saying, like how it's the it's how we use it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're using it to describe as something like I and you're associating it with like, like, you know, lesser value because of it, then mm-hmm. then I can see that in, in the context. Like, yeah. you know, um, and I think that also perpetuates the anti-fatness mm-hmm. too. It, it is mm-hmm. the language that we use. So I, yeah. More so the intention behind the words, you know, mm-hmm. like if I'm saying, if I'm saying I'm fat because I'm just talking about anything and I'm saying it lightheartedly my intention is just maybe to describe something whereas if I'm saying it in a negative way yeah and it's your it's your intention yeah but I want to take what I said back because I said that you know about redefining and like the energy we give it but there is but language is important because Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. you know in the way that we talk to ourselves so yeah true true See, yeah, see the way the way I ain't talking. I'm just doing hand signals now. <laughs> I'm just going to point at you. Um, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have um, anything to add on. I was just just thanking y'all for the the way you guys have have done a really good job of of um, describing how you know context, of course, matters. I imagine who is saying it also matters, you know, yeah. and 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 whether they're kind of weaponizing it. Um, but no, no, no. That's wh- it for me. What is it? Um, I'm I'm new to the fat jargon. I just started referring to myself as a fat girl. Like how um, like how recent? Like uh, maybe like a year or two. Okay. Girl for life. It's exactly- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I remember, I'm actually, I remember growing up in high school, Monique, I think her memoir was called Miss F-A-T. Um, and it was an acronym for fabulous and thick. And I remember that was like, I, I put that everywhere. I thought that was so genius. Um, 
And so I, there's a relationship there, but I definitely would refer to myself as plus size more than anything. Like that was the typical phrasing that I would use, but I've like, I think like Veronica, I've reclaimed fat. I like referring to myself as fat. It's not offensive to me. If other fat people call me fat, I don't take it as a pejorative. Um, But you know how they have fun size? Yeah. (laughs) We're life size. Life size. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. that. But it it really depends on the who. (laughs) Say say that again, Jess. Super fun size. Like I super fun size. (laughs) I want to be the king size candy. Uh Yeah. Uh King size. King size. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, it's it's the who. Like I think that we're not all so evolved where if you know a smaller person or a straight size person, I even hate saying that straight size. I don't know what that I have, means. I haven't heard of that term before. What does that mean? Straight size. That's like your 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 general, like your your extra small to oh like, large. okay. Is okay. that straight size? I think it's more so a term in fashion, especially it's as as okay. yeah, like plus size kind of got its footing into the industry. Yeah. Um, I think, but I think it, it kind of it melds it's itself annoying, into though. the fat community when you're talking about everybody who isn't plus size. That's what that's how they refer to straight size. I see. Anybody who okay. isn't plus size is straight size. I see. Um. So yeah, I don't think that we're also evolved where like if a random person on the street was like, "Hey, fat girl," that I would be like, "Oh, that's such a term of endearment." Yeah, I don't, probably I'm not. not there right? yet with yeah. It. So definitely, the who matters to me. Um. And also, like, I think that there are other things about my person that you can talk about than my size. Like, I, 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 to me, it's like the conversation about people's bodies and like the size of their bodies is so reductive. It's, it's so boring. It's kind of lazy to me. Like, and I, I'm not naive. This is, is a huge part of our society still. But it, to me, it's like if all you have to talk about is how big I am. Nigga, you have to come a little harder than that. And I don't know, like in in any capacity, whether you're trying to bag, whether you're trying to disparage me, whether it's just like, so I'm I'm definitely on the wave with V where it's like, you can't really tell me, like I've heard this shit literally for over 30 years. You got to come a little harder if you're trying to hurt me. But I also don't want to pretend that these things don't, they don't sting they kind of stay with you. It is, it's a lot harder to just be like, fuck them. Or I, I know who I am. It, it, you are sometimes still affected. Even, even if you are super conscious and super aware and super in tune with your body. Like if somebody wants to go out of their way to say something negative to you, um, to hurt you, it's probably going to sting a bit. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it's, it's definitely comes down to the who. Um, but I do love that I refer to myself as a fat girl because I don't think there's anything wrong with being a fat girl. Okay. Okay. You, yeah. you, you reclaim the term. For sure. And, and, in, and in my own rights. Yeah. In your own rights. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like it's uh it's very much, I imagine just like everything else that we're, 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 we're all kind of um, dealing with it's it's a process or it's like a journey that you're on in terms of acceptance and and your Absolutely. comfort level with it. Now a term you know just uh, while we're on the terminology, I've, I heard I think Lauren use it a few times. The small fat. And I know I that's know, Jasmine been saying small fat. The oh whole Jasmine, night. I apologize. I'm sorry. I, I just I know I heard it. Look, it was in your outline. So no, it's okay. No, no, no. I was just going by what it said. By what here. was on there, right? 
No, and I know, I know you, you, you dug this up, Nana, and I. This is my first time hearing of it. Do you mind sharing with us? I, I, you have it's described as fat categories. What, you, what is yeah, this? Yeah, you I've didn't know you had heard. Before. So this is also very new to me as well. Probably within like the last three months, because there was like a huge discourse in fat communities about um, small fats versus big fats or small fats versus larger fats or infinite fats or super fats and the privilege that small fats have where where did you hear this from where did you hear this so i follow i what happened was it clubhouse no ma'am i stay very far away from that thing i don't know nothing about clubhouse um but i follow a fat influencer called ashley chubby bunny um There are feelings. That's, there yeah, are feelings both, in the room. There are feelings. <laughs> Ashley Chubby Bunny. Okay, that's a name. That's a name for her platform. <laughs> and, yo, they are in stitches. They, I, so now I want to know the T. I I don't because I don't know who this person no, is. No, too. So she she <laughs> she is vocal. Um, and uh, I think she there was another fat influencer who I think had. Um, she had come out with some sort of a petition um, that she was sharing with other plus size brands. Hashtag fight for inclusivity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she's being shady or not. So I'm going to just let, I'm going to keep going. And so it was, it was like, it was an, an uh, um, a call out to plus size brands to have larger sizes available for larger bodies and that is i mean i don't in respect to the spectrum of fatness i i i don't know where i i, I know i'm a larger fat um i guess we can find that out <laughs> today where i really sit but i definitely as somebody who has like access to clothing access to fashionable clothing access to fashionable affordable clothing has always been something that has been near and dear to me um and literally the reason why I even started my own clothing line was because I could not find access to clothing that I wanted to wear that was age appropriate for me like I literally was dressing like I would go to family functions and have the same outfit on as like my great aunt because we were shopping at the same store. So like that conversation about about access to fashionable clothing that fits is, 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 is one that is near dear to me. And so that's my, that was my first um, initiation into even the differences between the types of fats. I didn't know that the different fats were fighting. Um, And so that's kind of where I, that's where I started. And then of course, having this conversation, um, preparing for this conversation, I learned about, there's apparently six different categories of, of types of fats. So they're um, on a website called- Fluffy <laughs> and this is, Kitten uh, Party. Yes, com. yes. That's the she, name. She is, um, it's, a, it's a white woman who considers herself a fat activist. Um, and she came, she shared, she had this like little infographic on the different types of fats and the, yeah, and I the just spectrum it in there, of fat categories. Yes. Um, so we have small fats. And so she, she attributes this towards sizing, um, kind of more clothing sizing that we talked about in, in the, um, 
in fashion. Um, and so we have small fats. So those are U.S. women um, who are below, who are 18 or below or size 1X or 2X. Um, and then it, do you want me to read what it says here? Or do you just, should we just keep going? I think you, I mean, for the purpose of the podcast, you should probably like just explain like the term and then the size range. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So small fat. Um, So the term small fat refers to people on the smallest end of the fat spectrum. Think entry level fat. They can often shop in both uh, straight size and plus size stores and have options at many uh, brick and mortar stores. Uh, though some stores may regulate them uh, to online options. Uh, People who are small fat may face some medical and interpersonal weight stigma due to their body size, but are generally accommodated in society and do not face significant barriers solely due to their size. Um, So like she said, small fats are entry-level fats, um, I thought that that was actually yeah, the entry okay. level part is taking <laughs> me out. It's interesting though, and looking at this graphic, and sorry, I'm sure I know you're gonna keep going, but so when I was introduced into these categories, like it was actually years and years ago, like before oh, okay. all of this. Um, but I the the way in which we define them felt a little different so like I remember back in the day like somebody that was like a smaller fat was somebody that was like a size 12 14 maybe mm-hmm. and then like a mid-sized fat would be like a 18 20 and then a like a larger fat wouldn't be somebody that was a size 24 to be somebody that was like a size 28 or 30 and so in just looking at this graphic it's actually interesting to see how it's being defined now Mm -hmm. and wondering like how much does that continue to shift as we as our society shifts as well and knowing that people in general are getting are you know taller now and larger um and so it does this continue to like just constantly shift yeah and then the who like who yeah. who is who is categorizing this who is yeah. sharing this information um the interesting thing on fluffy kitty's <laughs> website was <laughs> she felt like it was necessary to write this article um because she felt like a lot of people there you know there new fat people coming into this world every day and so a lot of people are entering this community without a basic level of understanding and I think she felt like this was an opportunity to kind of level set for anybody so they weren't seeking information that probably some fat influencers have to answer all the time like this is use this as your base and then go from there um so lauren mentioned mid fats so those are u.s women size 20 to 24 or 26 or size 2x to 3x Uh, mid fat as indicated by the name is uh are people in the middle of the fatness spectrum most mid fat people shop at plus size retailers with many options online only this is the upper size range for most plus size stores because they are more visibly fat they experience stigma and discrimination in healthcare, the workplace, and often encounter access issues with public spaces and seating. Um, And I really love that she touches on access because I know, Lauren, you had mentioned a lot of that when it comes to the fat liberation. Like, I don't, I don't know how many people, when you start a new job, the apprehension that I have with my office, my desk chair, 
because I don't know if I'm going to fit in it. Like that is something that is very real. So I love that she she included public spaces. Like I, for a long time, when I took planes, I needed an extender to my seatbelt. That is like, and that took me a long time to get comfortable even requesting. Um, so like, there are a lot of things outside of just the fashion, but when it comes to access to spaces that larger people have to kind of deal with. And of course, the larger that you go onto the spectrum, the the difference in experiences. Um, so uh, next is large fat. Uh, these are US women's 26 to 32 or sizes 4X to 5X. Large fat is the event horizon for most that's an interesting phrase, is the event horizon of most plus size clothing options. And they are almost exclusively regulated to to finding clothing online. Lane Bryan fat, a term created by writer Roxane Gay, is often used to describe people in this category because they still have clothing options, but they're often just Lane Bryant, Torrid, or similar stores. Large fat people experience significant discrimination and bias in nearly all areas of life. They often struggle to access healthcare and are shut out of many aspects of public life due to their size. Um, next, side, next size we have is super fat, larger than the U.S. women's 32, but also it's complicated. Um, the term super fat was created at the No, no Loose Conference in 28, uh, 2008, excuse me. It refers to the largest and most underserved members of the fat communities who were often marginalized even within fat activism spaces. Around 2017, the popularity of the word infinite fat shifted the definition of super fat downward to refer to people between a woman's US 26 to 32. Covered by large fat, some people refer some people prefer to use super fat with its original meaning, while others use it to refer to a specific size range. This generally depends on how you feel about the term infinite fat. And then we have infinite fat, larger than a U.S. woman's 32, but also it's complicated. Um, infinite fat was coined by fat activist, blogger, and podcaster Ash Nishuk. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounced your name. Um, to refer to people above a U.S. woman's 32 or a size greater than any assignable size number. Like the no loose uh, generated definition of super fat or refers to the most underserved and marginalized fat people beyond the event horizon of plus size clothing and infinitely and infinitely upward. <clears throat> Excuse me. Infinite fat people face intense discrimination and marginalization, even in fat communities. Most spaces do not accommodate them, um, and many infinite fats find themselves shut out of public life to, due to their size. And then finally, she has death fat, no specific size range. Um, writer and activist Leslie Kinzel coined the term death fat in a past, in a post, excuse me, in the Live Journal Fat Fashionista community that was reposted on her blog in 2008. It is a reference to the term morbid obesity, but was not intended to refer to a specific size range. The term may be used by any fat who wishes to use it and embrace their morbidness. So yeah, it sounds like that last one was like tongue in cheek. Yeah. Oh, on that one. But I don't know that. <laughs> so had um curious, had any y'all heard of any of these before today? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um so 
another question that Nana had on the um, on our outline is like I- I'm curious how y'all feel about all these different categorizations or hierarchies, if you will. Um, do you guys feel like this just reinforces the notion of body hierarchy? Like, is there some type of ranking or like you know? Obviously, Lauren, you spoke about the different ways that uh, women or just people in general at these different sizes are treated. But I guess, uh, and I also remember Nana earlier on. Uh, referring to the fact that even within the plus size community or the fat community, that there is, I guess, infighting, for lack of a better word, or there is some some um, some level of friction. So I'm just wondering how all this kind of plays in now that we've heard some of these terms. Um, I will say, first of all, I've, I've heard about these terms for a while. Okay. It's interesting that you mentioned like uh, kind of that maybe this causes like a hierarchy, but there already is a hierarchy. And that is why these uh, terms were kind of formed, like coined, yeah, Mm -hmm. like established because there truly is already a hierarchy beyond how it is verbalized. You Mm. know, somebody that is smaller bodied is going to be uh, treated way differently. They're going to have way different levels of access than somebody that is a size 26 or, you know, where's a three or four X. Um, so the categories, I know like it can be off-putting and I know that there are a lot of conversations around them and why we shouldn't have them, et cetera. But the truth in my opinion is that this already exists. It's just, we're giving them like some kind of, um, definition because it does like if I am somebody that is having these conversations over and over again if I'm trying to uh speak about a certain group it's easier to say like I am specifically talking about the treatment of uh super fats and I as somebody that's in that community will say like will know like I am specifically talking about somebody that cannot shop at your average store can has a different level of access when they're out in the community um, cannot, you know, is not treated well by the medical community. And so I feel like I do understand how there is like a lot of opposition because it's like, I don't want to walk around saying I'm a mid fat, like that's stupid. We're all fat. (laughs) But in, in reality, like, yes, we are all fat, but there is very different treatment and access and understanding, um, depending on where you are on that spectrum and, you know, having these categories just, kind of shortens you having to describe all of that when you're speaking of them. Um, but I would, I, I know, if, um, Veronica, you had mentioned something about this earlier, how like, it doesn't matter, you know, like it's, I'm still fat. So I think, uh, there are lots of, uh, different opinions about it. Yeah. I, I was just referring to more so when we're having the conversations with younger girls and they're not able to know the difference and they just see the, the, the adults, the bigger women kind of bickering amongst themselves about who's more fat than the other. Cause I've been in those spaces. I've been in those spaces with your girl, Ashley. Um, and so I'm always, I'm always advocating for more solution-based, um, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, where are we getting to? Because at the, I, I see what you're saying though, is that there is a difference on the spectrum when you're in terms of like healthcare but like preventative care before we even get to to that conversation is more so like um you know I, I, as a child where you don't really know the difference until you get into that age of reasoning and you're able to kind of get a better gauge um i i think when talking about 
the different categories of that. I think it's okay, like you said, when we're when we're having a conversation about you know restorative conversations or or getting some kind of solution, not solutions to fatness. That's not what I'm talking about, but solutions to access. So like you said, super fats, they don't have access to certain things or they're not seen in the same light. So yes, in those type of conversations, I think it's very appropriate to have these categories. But in everyday conversations, when we're comparing each other's bodies and things like that, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the most productive. Um, I I agree. But if that makes sense, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't break down the different types of fat because again, we all have different experiences, but I just rather we have solution based conversations instead of just attacking each other based on our fat size. Like it just doesn't, it's not productive. And then especially if we know that the bigger fight here is against white suppression like white supremacy white white supremacy like because then we're also acknowledging that we know what the problem is we we know um (laughs) we 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 know exactly what we're dealing with you know um i feel like that changes the conversation because then we're no longer kind of like trying to point fingers and shoulda woulda coulda or how the system is fucked up because we already know the system is fucked up you know yeah yeah no I like I said this is these terms are very new to me I even in in the midst of like a couple of her lives when she was I was like what the fuck is a small I mean of course context clues helps you but I was like are people out here referring to themselves as a small fat like that was very off-putting to me uh because I I agree we're all fat but to Lauren's point when we're talking about whether or not I can find literally clothing to adorn my body while you can walk into a store as a smaller fat person and purchase things and I'm I'm you know I I have these three to four options that I can choose from like that definitely changes the conversation so I understand the need to categorize them in just giving and just even baselining the the conversation so um yeah, I, I probably will not be referring to myself as a mid-fat or a large fat. I, I don't have any intention of doing that. Um, but I but I can appreciate the fact that this information is there and that it, it could be helpful for people in, in having this kind of discourse. Well, sure. you barely describe yourself as a millennial. So I'm not surprised that you're because not I'm not. I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> oh, you're a Gen Xer. Okay. I mean, if I, there has to be a cusp <laughs> thing between It was. It was the like X- 82. Six years before we were born. Okay, whatever. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I know. I know. I know that you aren't. I know you sometimes are not always um, willing to like. You know, just accept a label just because. That's the only reason I was. Yeah, I was no, because it's up. silly. Like yeah. Veronica said, this. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. You're not about to tell me that I'm somebody just because I wear a size four. <laughs> Bitch, I'm more than a. I'm more than a mid fat or a large fat. Hello. You see, thank you. But I imagine, like all communities, <laughs> no, it's none of them are a monolith. So I imagine, even sure. amongst the fat community, there's gonna be folks like you who are like, "Nah, I am rocking with this," and other people are like, "Oh no, this actually really helps me understand how all this kind of comes together." You know what I mean? Isn't mm-hmm. it? Isn't it funny the way that like we fight so hard 
against the labels to now mm-hmm. being labeled Label like everything. it's so weird to me mm-hmm. you know where we talk about we don't want this you know we, like we don't want our bodies to be policed but then we're policing each other's bodies like it's like the paradox and all of it again i don't i don't mind it if we're having conversations about solution i don't mind it if we're just putting language to things that we already know maybe to describe things but when we're fighting against each other which is conversations that i've heard by a lot of very popular you know, influential, influential plus size bodies. And unfortunately, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just leave that. <laughs> <laughs> Very influential plus size bodies. And instead of having those solution based conversations, they're just attacking. Mm-hmm. And instead of having conversations, like, I feel like it's important to have conversations amongst, you know, fat women, fat black women, but I also think it's important to have conversations with the executive boards of these mm-hmm. companies mm-hmm. who don't give access to the super fats, to the infinite, in, infinite fats. You know, I, I think that's more important. If we're fighting anybody, we should be fighting them, not each other. I and agree. That's the problem that I see in a lot of these, you know, Instagram drags and deplatformings. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, I was just gonna say, like, we need less cancel and more counsel. Like, there we need go. to like. Really- but that is that that's an overhaul, right? right? That's an overhaul with the internet. <laughs> I think that that is a general. Yeah, yeah. That might not just be a fact, girl. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So like calling in versus calling out that same energy. Yeah. All right. Well, Nana, I know you had a. I, I know you got like two more categories of kind of questions that you wanted to. <laughs> when are we gonna talk about fucking? What's I'm, I'm yeah, ready to do no, that right now. That's what I'm saying. I'm that's ready one to do of that them. Right now. That's one of them. So you know, because as go a ahead, Lauren. Girl, tell us how you really wasn't feel always... on on this Wednesday evening. Go ahead. Go I, you ahead. know what, Jasmine? That I think that's a really. I do feel like there's a lot of conversation that we're probably because we don't. I mean, y'all know we could have a four hour. Uh, podcast but we try not to do that this season we, mm-hmm. we try no, really same and that's one reason i'm trying to keep um, time. if y'all are down especially for for when we're talking about sex like you know that's gonna be really <laughs> interesting conversation for us big girls because i, yeah. I, feel, like, I feel like it's important to like really dive into that topic do you, do you jasmine you think it's important for us to <laughs> <laughs> Hey, know. listen, we- we'll run this right back next week. Same time, same people. If y'all, <laughs> if y'all down for it, if y'all free, we'd love to shit. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. So I don't know. Do we do we give them a teaser with the sex talk now? Or do we wait for part two? It's going to get real. No. Jazz has to go city girl on this. Right. <laughs> what is happening? But I'm here for all of it. So you know what? I think, I think we... Maybe we we just we just wrap this this part. That's of the, the teaser episode. for part two. And y'all come back next week, please, for, do. for the fat girl sex talk. Yeah, yes. I'm here for that. Yes. I'm here for that. Um, well, yeah, I I thank you, lovely ladies, so much. This was an amazing conversation. We usually like to end an episode kind of leaving the people with something. So if there is, based on what we've talked about so far today, if there's anything you'd like. A little token for everybody to kind of leave this episode with. I guess we can kind of go around and you all can share. And then I'm very excited for part two of this conversation. No, for sure. And also, um, what when you're kind of giving us your, your young benediction, 
we didn't get a chance to do it in the intro so please tell the good people where they can find you if you're comfortable sharing if you've got any website the socials all that good stuff because i'm sure the people would love to connect with, with y'all and maybe reach out so feel uh add that in too as you're as you're giving us your last words Don't 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 all talk. I mean, at I was once like, now. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, so, anybody, somebody, anybody. So, um, if there's one thing that I want to leave with your audience is that the best things you'll get the best things when you're just fully authentic. Just be yourself, whatever that is. I don't care what category of fat you put yourself in, or if you put yourself in one at all. Doesn't matter what the outside world thinks about you. It's about you, your foundation, your authenticity, and you know, I just wish great things on all of y'all. So, um, and where you could find me, my name is Jasmine Carthon. My Instagram is at Jasmine Carthon. That's Jasmine with two Z's, J-A-Z-Z-M-I-N-E-C-A-R-T-H-O-N. And you could also follow my platform or our, our platform. Um, it's a collective of over 200 models, black, um, models. black models, black led, um, called Models for Change Now. And we are trying to change the narrative for black models. Um, black creatives black creatives in general it's not just models it's um both in front of and behind the camera mm-hmm. because we all go through a whole lot of bs and we're trying to change that so mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah we and we didn't even get to touch on that so we definitely for part two y'all talk about that <laughs> absolutely yeah and i just want to say thank you to all of you for having us tonight and um holding space to have these important conversations because again you know um, this is something that is fairly new and it's going to take a while to kind of digest. Um, but these kind of conversations are what brings us to those solutions and, and helps us figure it out. Um, and if there's one thing that I can leave your audience with is that, um, you know, everything is mental, you know, and you have to have like a really strong desire and willingness to grow and to push past your um, comfort zones. And so as long as we're always telling ourselves, like our mind tells our bodies what to do, mm-hmm. not the other way around. So if there's anything I can leave with those for this body, body positivity conversation is it has everything to do with the mental. And then there's, there's a, an alignment that happens. Yeah. Yeah. You start up top. And where can they mm-hmm. find you? Yeah. <laughs> tune in tapped in turned on hey. and you want to give the people your 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 handles where, where can they find you oh i'm sorry um <laughs> yes my instagram is at veronica Pomette, or you can check me on my website and see everything that i do it's called vpcreates.com beautiful lauren um yes so i can be found on instagram break so b-r-a-k-e underscore style and the thing that I think that I want to leave people with is just challenge anti-fatness. So challenge that within yourself. So educate yourself and challenge, you know, those thoughts that you may have and the ways that you view fatness around you. And then also challenge other people around you with their level of anti-fatness, because I feel like the, the problems that we have and the challenges that we have right now around that are because there isn't the conversation. I mean, the conversations are being had, but the challenging of those mindsets and and talking about them and then also like uh, figuring out actions. So challenge anti-fatness within yourself and then everyone around you as well. 
Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. Lauren. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you, V. This was such a beautiful conversation. I'm really, really excited How about you, to continue. To... Oh, uh, what do I want to leave? Got? Oh, shit. Yeah. Look, I was trying to wrap up some. Uh, what do I want to leave the people with? You know, V mentioned this quite a few times. And this, I realized, is the legacy that I want to live. Uh, I want to leave or like what I'm living for now. Um, that little girl that I was the little girl that I see in my neighborhood from time to time, like modeling for, cause I, you know, you can't, unfortunately we can't touch everybody. We can't support physically everybody. You can't be there for every child. But I think um, like even Jasmine said, seeing women who look like you, who are your size, who are your skin tone, who live where you live, seeing them, walk with their head held high and fully in tuned with who they are. And maybe if, if they're not fully in tune, but on that journey of, of figuring out who they are, that is something that I realize is our responsibility. And we have to do that for our younger generation. We have to do that for our daughters and our nieces. And um, I just, when I, when I walk around my neighborhood, and little black girls come up to me and tell me that they like my shoes or they like my hair, like all of that. It, it, you, you don't understand the impact that you have on people. You don't realize how many people are looking at you and, you know, paying attention to you. And not that I'm any sort of role model because I'm not, but that impact, regardless of whether I acknowledge it or I take it on as a responsibility or not, it's there. And so I feel like as somebody who occupies this space as a fat black bald like there's so many (laughs) adjectives at this point but like there are girls who are gonna see me who are gonna who are gonna see themselves in me and I want them to see a woman that loves herself and so a lot of that work I'm doing right now so that I can hopefully like, like, and I think you, we said it before, it's just something that you exude. You don't have to say it. You don't have to perform it. It doesn't have to be on Instagram. You can be that beautiful black role model for your community walking down the street. You know what I'm saying? Just letting girls know I look like her. She looks like me and look, look at that smile on her face. You know what I'm saying? And so that is kind of where I am on, currently on my journey. It's going to look different for all of us. But I think that understanding that like, and sometimes not even, it's not even for the younger generation. That could be within your own community. I My mom tells me all the time how much I inspire her. And this is a 60 year old woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think we touched on this before is like, our parents, our grandparents, they didn't have the freedom that we have to choose the life that we want. A lot of them felt indebted to a whole bunch of shit. And so like you what I would say is we don't understand the impact that we have and just being cognizant of what you want that impact to be. Um, and so that is what I would, especially fat black people, especially fat. Well, you know, that's why I care about is fat black women, no shade to anybody else, but that's kind of my core. Um, but yeah, just as people who occupy spaces, I care about them too. <laughs> I know baby. I just people who, and this, this kind of can run the gamut from disabled people to LGBTQIA people, like those in the world that are told every day that there's something wrong with you, it is a revolutionary act to wake up every day and love yourself. 
And my goal today and every day is to just love myself because I know when I do that, I stand a little firmer. My head is a little higher. And hopefully that inspires somebody to, to just love themselves even more. So I kind of feel like I those the roundabout no, way to no, get there, no. but you I were, finally got spin. there. You were getting the jazz fingers <laughs> and everything. Now, we're, we're right here with you. Bars on bars on bars. We're right here with you. And and I'm going to keep mine real short and sweet because I, I really, I really uh, everything that you all said um, really resonated with me. Um, I, I especially appreciate um, the way Veronica weaved in how um and this kind of ties into the conversation we've been having on on our last few episodes where you know uh, a phrase that we we shared is how the personal is political but in a lot of ways as we learned on our episode today the physical is also political there's a lot that goes into um the way you know our bodies are are whether people are trying to control them define them you know and and, and all the the different ways that we spoke today so i think that that's just also what i would want to leave with people as well as um i always love to question everything around me um and one of the one of the things that i've gone in the practice of doing especially recently is questioning um my own anti-fatness and how maybe that shows up in my life whether that's outward or even with myself as with, mm-hmm. with the anecdote I shared earlier. So, and these things aren't always the big overt things we always think of. Sometimes it's the small things um, that that maybe even we are the only people who get to see, you know? So mm-hmm. even question those things in yourself, that way you can show up just the way you just shared, Nana. Um, that way that allows you to show up differently um, in the world and in your community, with your friends, your family, you know, all, all the different intersections that we have on, on the daily. So appreciate y'all so much for joining us. Yeah, no, this was beautiful, guys. And there will Thank there'll you. be a part two. Y'all y'all brought this part two into <laughs> into the fold, you know. So I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Um. So yeah, Nana, go ahead and hit us with you. Yes, no, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Workday with Nan and Obi. Y'all better make sure y'all follow these beautiful women. They out here changing lives and looking good while doing it. That part. Um, Yeah, so we'll have all of their their handles in the description. We'll also have the links to some of the the infographics and Mm -hmm. Fluffy Kitty's page. Mm Y'all get all that information Mm -hmm. check out the um the episode description but we just thank you guys so much for tuning in if you haven't already subscribe to this motherfucking podcast follow us we are everywhere you can listen to a podcast so make sure you you find us where you listen to podcasts um if you haven't followed us on instagram make sure you do that we are at workbay pod um we're also on twitter at workbay pod and if you are a fat girl or boy and you want to share some tales about what it was like growing up for you the current journey that you are on with your body or if you had to deal with any medical bullshit I mean you ain't gotta be on you know HIPAA shit but like if you just want to share with us any stories about some trials and tribulations you've endured occupying a larger body definitely feel free to send us an email at workbaypod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you guys um, and thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you next time bye right. catch y'all next week <laughs>